Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. And away we go. Not so serious Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Drinking beer. Drinking beer. Talking well, art. Talking I'm going to just present the beer immediately. Fantastic. 33 acres. This one's of courage. Yeah, it's a That's new one. That's a new one, yeah. I know. Neither of us have had it before. What do you think? There's nothing to dislike about this. No. Like, it's... um. Like, it's just like a pale ale. It's kind of like kind, pale yeah. ale, yeah. It's, uh, I think it was an e- ESB. What, what is it? Oh, an ESB? Really? Yeah. What does that stand for? Uh, extra special bitters. Oh, okay. So it's, but this is not all that bitter, though. Like, no, to me. Not that bitter. Um, but I, I, I like 33 Acres. You know, I, uh, one thing I like about them is that they are open early. So, yes. you know, a lot of other craft beer things, I mean, one of the, the downsides of some of these other places I really like is they're not open as early. So you don't have to go there and drink beer. The nice thing about 33 Acres, you go there, you can have a, a nice espresso and, you know, have some food and stuff. And, and, you know, it was, I, I think I showed up there at, um, I don't know, around 11 or 12 or something. And it was packed. I mean, the place was yeah. full. Like people were there, you know, they had a food truck out front and, uh, yeah, it was good. You know, I went in there and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to go to 33 acres. It's been a little bit. And, um, I saw this one on there and I was like, okay, cool. never, and never tried it, never seen it on there. And, uh, courage is one of my, I don't know, highest values. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not have a beer about it? I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get into that on this yeah. podcast. Well, I mean, we had a great conversation with, uh, with Emilio Merritt a few, few podcasts back about, yeah. about courage mm-hmm. and the courage to, put, put your vision forth to mm-hmm. put your message and your ideas out there and not to, not to censor yourself because, you know, I, I mean, not that censoring yourself necessarily always like sometimes there, there can be an act of measure. I feel like when you're putting something out there, it's like, Oh, how is this? Because you want people to receive your message. And that's the only reason why you should ever, I feel like adjust certain things is if, your message is going to get across better. But if you're censoring yourself just because you're afraid of what people might think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, we're, you know, courage is there because, you know, we have, we have fear, we have the discomfort of fear. And so, you know, you're to be courageous. Like, uh, I've heard courage doesn't exist without fear, you know? And, and, you know, deep down we're all scared. So, um, the whole idea of just go and do it, you know, just whatever, whatever the fear is like, I mean, I guess ultimately for anybody, like, you know, there's, if you're scared of something, right. Just ask yourself, am I going to die if I do it? Like if the worst case scenario happens, am I going to die? Like really? Yeah. And if you're not, then, then choose courage because the thing is, it's much better to build your sense of courage and your sense of ability to do something than to always beckon and, and bow to fear because, you know, it's granted like, you know, you might be scared to jump from heights. Okay. You know, that's a valid fear, but you could look at it and say, well, it's a 10 foot jump to water. Okay. You look, you, you can assess it out and, and, and if, you know, 
are you going to land on some rocks or whatever? If you're not, if it's a safe jump, people have done it before. It's all good. You know, what's the risk factor? Okay. You know, do it right. Um, when you start getting up to hundreds of feet and you say, well, I'm scared to jump off of that. Well, don't jump because if you think about the physics of the situation, there's a high <laughs> chance you could die. I mean, that's, if you that's don't not, know exactly what you're doing, there's a point where courage, you know, is no longer courage. It's just kind of dumb. Kind you, of, know? <laughs> you know, there's the point where courage meets stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I always think of those videos you see on YouTube of like middle America and like kids like jumping off their roof onto a table, like doing a wrestling match. And then all oh, lo and behold, someone broke their neck, you know, like it's like, that wasn't so smart. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We can respect them for, I suppose, yeah. being willing to try. But the thing is, I think also courage becomes better when you're willing, if you fail, but you're willing to get up and do it again. Because the first yeah. time you do it isn't actually as hard, isn't actually challenge you as much as the second time you do it. Like if you build a project, for example, you know, which, which I have, I've built projects before and, and I've had projects fail. And when they fail, it's devastating, you know, especially if you have a lot of people yeah. involved, but to get back up and do another project that takes courage. That takes a certain amount of like, Oh, well, what if this happens again? You know, it's like, what if it happens again and again? You know what I mean? There's the, the, the that whole idea of fear. Well, if it happens again and again, I'm not going to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm going to learn every time I do it. And you're also going to learn what, what means something to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's like that's cause that's the only way you're going to keep on getting up is if you're doing something that, that you really believe in. I, I want to touch it a little bit on this. Um, cause you, it seems like we're getting into a fear thing. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important to, to keep in mind about fear is that very often a lot of what you fear is, is a bunch of nonsense that you've that you've completely made up yourself. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, if you're going forward with a, with a project or, uh, or you're making a film or you're doing this, it's like, well, it's like, it's like, what if nobody blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, what if nobody picks this up? What if nobody likes this? What if nobody, okay. So, but what is it? Are you actually afraid of this thing not doing well? Or are you, what you're actually afraid of is what you think it all means about you. Mm you're afraid that, uh, that it's gonna, It means that, Oh, people are going to think I'm worthless. I'm, which is actually still just a, your own reflection, your own thing that you're mirroring on yourself where you're saying, well, I, it, I'll feel worthless and people will never work with me again, or people will never like there's, it's just this on and on of, of all the stuff, which is actually has no, no real basis in reality. It has nothing to do with, with whether this one thing works this project or whatever this endeavor was, if it doesn't work, it just didn't work Mm -hmm. that time. It literally means none of those things that you think they are, you know, like all of this stuff where, where your mind and, and you do, you catch yourself. And that's where most of the fears like just start, like it, it really has a snowball, a snowball effect. And, you know, we've had discussed, maybe not on, on the show, but like in private, we've had conversations about how, you know, like if you follow that fear all the way down, you know, if you, if you let that snowball and you, (laughs) you follow that snowball all the way down, it turns into this giant boulder of a thing. You know, eventually you hit a point where it's like, you, you just won't even want to do anything. No. And it's, but the thing is, is that you've made that snowball into the, 
into the boulder that it is. Yeah. Well, you know, something that I've uncovered actually, and, and more so recently, it's just become evident to me is how, how your fear actually creates your sense of pride. And what I mean is like this false sense of pride, not pride and like pride and Hey, I accomplished this and I feel really good about that. And I did this thing and I did it. So I'm proud that I went out and did that. That's it. That's a certain kind of pride. But what I'm talking is like this, this false sense of pride, this ego pride, you know, which is an image. And so, you know, we don't want to be afraid. We don't want to admit that we're scared. So what do we do? We, you know, we basically, we do things like we go out, we act too cool. I'm yeah. too cool to do that. Or, or we, whatever. we pretend that we know, Yeah. you know, we, yeah. And we talk high and mighty and do certain things like that. But, you know, so fear kind of creates this, this pride. And so then the more fearful you are, the more pride you need to cover up the fear, you know? And so the part of being courageous is being willing to expose that this false image you've created isn't true. You know? And the thing is, is like, if you think that you have friends or relationships or things in your life based on who people think you are, you're probably not going to be very courageous because you're going to be so scared to lose that. Right? Like, what will they think of me if I do this? That's pride. That's false pride. Who cares what they think of you? They'll figure out who you are. They'll start to learn you. They'll see you do something in the world. Who cares what they think of you? You know, if they don't like who you really are, lose them. My dad used to always say, lose them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they're holding you back. They're dead weight. You know what I mean? It's not that they're bad people. And in some ways you gotta, you gotta look at how you set up a situation where you lied to them and taught them you were someone you weren't. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that you've been selling and protecting this particular image of yourself that you, that you identify with and whatever. And, and that's why we protect it because that's what we know ourselves to be. Right. Even though a lot of it is a bunch of garbage, it's like, how will this look on me? <laughs> you know, yeah. like if this, this failed, how, how will somebody see this? Oh God. You know, and it's, and it's all a bunch of nonsense. And the other thing is too, is y- everybody else is doing the exact same thing. Exactly. So that's, that's sort of like the evening out point there. It's like, so what can somebody really, how can somebody really hurt you? Like no matter what they say, no matter what they, they sort of do, you know, about like whatever they might be judging you for, or, you know, these sort of this dead weight (laughs) as you referred to it. It's like, well, that's, all fine and good. You can choose to associate with them or not. I mean, but know that they're in exactly the same situation as, as you are. And in fact, if they're somebody who you find is attacking you, they're probably in a much worse situation than you are. They're way more scared. (laughs) They're way more scared. They've probably built up a way bigger illusion, a way bigger thing that they're trying to preserve and protect around themselves too. Right? Exactly. Well, I mean, let me ask you something. Do you want to be, if you, if you have big goals and you want to create stuff in your life and you want to make something happen in your life, do you want to be around people who are, you know, if you make a mistake, they're going to hold you back or they're going to talk you down or they're going to, you know, they're going to basically obliterate you for making a mistake. Or do you want to be around people that are going to be like, Hey, good try. You know, why don't you try this next time? You know what I mean? Like I think that, you know, so many people, like you look at, you look at the world, right? And I'm, this isn't a judgment on people. This is a judgment on the way we're raised and the way we're educated. Cause it's, I, I actually, if I could talk to every single person one-on-one and say, Hey, listen, uh, you know, let me help you work out the, this is how you're scared. And this is why you're not doing the thing you really want to do. 
And you know what? Um, let's everything that, that you're scared about, like, let's just like real look at that. Like it takes time, but you could break it down. You can go, okay, let's get rid of that. Let's move on. But people are scared and some people get so into the inertia of fear and so into the comfort of it that they don't want to change. They don't want to grow. And instead they'd rather just pick on other people, slam other people, knock them down, be cool, be this image, whatever. But why do you want to hang out with those people? Why do you want to be around those people? You know what? Like, uh, I love that, that book, the, the war of art, you know, yeah. not the art of war, but the war of art, yeah. right? By, and uh, he, Steven, Steven Pressfield. Yeah. yeah. And there's this chapter he has, and I actually believe the chapter is called fear, but he says, you know, as you become who you, who you can be, you know, it will make other people uncomfortable and you will lose friends. But at the end he says, but you will get new friends. He's, and he basically ends the chapter with, do you believe me? And this is the thing is it takes belief. It takes the belief that you don't know if this is going to happen. Cause if you've never been courageous, if you've never done anything in your life before, and you've always kind of hung out with the people, you know, and you're so scared to lose them cause you're so scared to be alone. Well, you are literally putting a stranglehold on your art and your creativity and your ability and your potential and your future. And you're saying, I'm going to strangle the life out of you just so I don't have to feel alone. That's not okay. You know? So, and I, and I feel sad for people when they, when they're that angry and that sad, uh, that, that fearful and that prideful. I just think like, what a shame. And I think about myself and I've definitely been that way. Yeah. Scared to be alone. Yeah. I mean, it only prevents you from, from creating, putting stuff out in the world, which, you know, as I've said, many times before. It's like, we are, I I think that people are creators. That's what, that's what we do on this planet. Like that, everything that you have in your house is because somebody created it, you know, and you helped to create it as well. You know, like it's in a sort of a very hoity toity or what did, (laughs) how did you put that a, a while back? That was good stuff. Anyhow, I don't know when, I don't know. It was a while back. We had talked about, it was like, uh, when I, you know, whenever I get onto a sort of, uh, my soapbox, when oh, I'm talking about box. something kind of, you know, something kind of like highfalutin, I don't know. Any, <laughs> never mind. No worries. Well, whatever. Um, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll go back to our podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> foo-foo or something. You oh, woo-woo. Woo-woo. Yeah. Woo-woo. <laughs> it sounded like woo-woo to people. <laughs> um, but no, it's like, we're, we're all co-creators in the world, everything that has ever been made, like is because of our collective existence in the world. Yeah. The reason why we have smartphones so as not to offend anybody who uses any particular brand. Yeah. Smartphone. Uh, is anyone who uses a smartphone? Why do we have smartphones? Because we asked for them. Mm-hmm. We want, and then somebody made it. Somebody created it because that was the way that we were consciously shifting. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way we were pushing our technology. We're like, Oh, we want, we want more of this at our, at our disposal. So somebody answered it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're all co-creators and when you, and we are all creators. So if you are not creating, then you usually, that's when you become a bitter, you know, forum hater. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and, and the, and the harder you hate the, the bigger, the bigger the ego is probably. Yeah. I would not be surprised. And you know, also like there is, you know, one little caveat to like creation is that the reasons in which you create are important too, you know, because if you're creating because it's like, I'm going to create this because everyone's going to think I'm special and great and so wonderful. I mean, 
it is a way to create and it's great that something motivates you. But the thing is, is that, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. You know, if you live by ego, you die by ego. So yeah. if you're, if you're going to create to create an identity, you might get an identity that you don't like, you know, you might get an identity where everybody loves you in one way, but you also might get an identity where everybody hates you. You're going to have to live with both. You know, it, it, that saying live by the sword, die by the sword is very true. If you want to go walking around having sword fights, you know, killing people with your sword, <laughs> chances that you're in a sword fight, you're, you could die by the sword. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're going to have to live with that result, right? So if you're creating because you're going, listen, I want to, I want to create this. Cause I think, I think people will really be moved. They'll be shifted. I think people want this. I think this solves a problem in the world. If you're creating from that place, you know, like y- y- you, you live and die by that. So it's a little bit less about you. Right. And I think that many times artists will create because they want to, you know, that, you know, and you see this on social media, like, I just got this role and blah, 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 blah. And I did this and I did that. And, and, and it's wonderful, you know, and I, and I want to celebrate everyone who has their successes, but are you telling us because you want us to think you're so great? Or are you telling us because these roles were really important to you and you thought, Hey, I really want to, you know, but I think that we're so like, we, we just live in this such a, we get this idea where, where things are so scarce. Right. And so when we get something, we're like, it was so scarce that now that I got it, I got my little piece of this scarcity. And that's all we think about. And that's a very survival based mode of living. When you live in abundance, it's like, you know, I got this thing. Now, what does this thing mean in the world of abundance? You know, if there's many others to choose from, why did I choose this one? You know what I mean? And, and then people do this, like they'll, they'll book this, like, um, I don't know say an actor, they book this, like, role they don't care about on television, this role that, you know, if anyone else got it, they wouldn't care, but they got it. So they care. Right. And no one yeah. else cares because they didn't get it except <laughs> for maybe their family and friends, but you know, whatever. Right. And so then they got this thing and then you go, okay, well there's that, or there's what did, you know, what did you really want to do? You know, there's the role that you really wanted to do. And, and when you look at it, you go, well, um, maybe it'd be, it'd be better to create the role I really wanted. I mean, when you're, when, or, or to try to do this a little bit differently. So I'm not living in a world of scarcity. You know, I think creativity is an interesting thing. I think it's good to create. It's better, good. It's better to create than to destroy. It's, it's better to probably do nothing than destroy. I don't think it's good to destroy, but, um, but at least if you're creating, that's good. But I think that we can evolve our creativity. We can evolve the reason why we're creating. Like, why are you doing this? Um, I don't know this podcast, we're creating this podcast. I mean, I didn't create it because I was like, Oh, I hope we get a whole bunch of followers and subscribers it might happen. I don't know. But I look at, it, I go, this would be good things to share with people, you know? So why don't we keep doing this? Why don't we record it? And you know, and you were complicit in the high idea. So we said, okay, let's do it. You know, and we, we start creating it. You know, I think we came from a good place. So, you know, to me, if people don't like it, I go, okay, it's not offering value. No problem. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything about me. I don't <laughs> look at it that yeah. way. Right. Cause I, you know, if nobody follows it, I don't care. I'll probably still do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, we're just here putting, putting ideas out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what I feel we're doing. I mean, we have a certain topic of interest. I mean, I, and I'm not going to lie. I get a lot 
out of it. You know, maybe I'm, I'm the only one who gets something out of it. That's fine. Well, there's two people, Evan, because I, I find I get a lot out of it. Too. Oh, well then perfect. Yeah, so we're so. complicit in that. But if any, if anyone else does, I mean, you, you hope that people do, you know, you hope that people kind of pick up on some of the things that you're saying and, and, and find use for, for, for these ideas, but there's no guarantees of any of that. And like, you know, we've said there's, they'll probably like, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what, what this will all be, but that's not really the point of, of the whole thing either. No. And you know, I think some of the ideas that we, you know, you and I talk about and suggest, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't claim to know that they're the right answer, but I, I do like bringing up the topic and they might make people uncomfortable where people go, well, it isn't that, you know, this role that I did on television was really important and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm not saying that it's really great what you did. I'm I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but, but I look at it and I go, when you got into acting, when you thought about what you really wanted to do, was it because you wanted to do this or is it because you wanted to do something bigger? And, and are you like, you know, I know so many young women who do roles on television that, you know, they don't necessarily want to do, but they're like, well, I'm an actor, so I need to do this thing. Like it might have nudity or, or something that's violent to women or whatever. And they do it because they want to keep doing the roles and making the money and moving forward their career. But yet they're not really thinking about that. And yet they don't want that in the world. Yeah. But this is the problem is that when we live in a world of scarcity, people can, in a sense, the, the, the machine can force us to do things. Well, it doesn't really force you, but it can put pressure on us to do things that we don't really want to do. And then we end up kind of prostituting our art because we are doing it because well, if I don't do it, someone else will do it. And that is just a mentality that like, I want to shift that idea. I want us all as artists to shift that idea and, and, yeah. and start having artists kind of take more, you know, someone will do the role. You know what? Like yeah. I've turned down many roles and other actors have done it. And you know, there's certain things that, you know, people can say, okay, well, you're getting, they got this acclaim, they got the credit, they got the whatever. But the thing is, is you go, well, who cares? Like, like to me, I go, someone else will do it. it it's fine. They're, they haven't figured that out, but I have to live with myself. I have to look at myself at the end of yeah. the day. And the, and the, and the pain from not doing it is what gets me to do other things that I wouldn't otherwise do. You know, you take that X thousand dollar paycheck, whatever, you know, you take that paycheck from doing that role. You didn't really want to do. It's a really nice little chunk of money you get, but by not having that money and getting it that way, which was kind of the easier way, um, I, I have, I'm, I'm pressured to do something else. Cause I still want to be an artist. I still want to act. Yeah. I still want to create, I still want to write, but now I do it. Now the thing is, it's like, so I do a role that I really care about. It's a, it's a, it's a theatrical piece or it's a short film and nobody sees it. You know, it's not, it's the, or very few people see it because it's not widely publicized in the marketing or whatever, but I'm really proud of that role. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm at a, I'm at a party and I'm talking about the role that I did. And I did this role, which was really unique and really cool. And I tell someone, they go, wow, that's really cool. And they, and I get to connect with them about this thing as opposed to, I did this again. Like there was a series, uh, while I was, where I was on television where I played drunk high schooler, uh, 
high high schooler, <laughs> drug dealer, uh, and then drunk high schooler again. And they were like, you know, all like little bit acting parts, whatever. Yeah. And after it went off the other. And I just hit a point where I said, well, this is really great. It was really nice at first, you know, it was kind of fun, like giving these roles, but then there's a certain point where you go, you know, what is, what is this? Like, does it even matter to me? You know, like, do I want to do that? And I would much rather, um, you know, I'd much rather do a movie or do a play or do something where I got to play a role I really cared about. Now, granted, you know, you can say as an actor, well, I filled in the life of this character and they're a person too, you know, they're a person in a situation that's great. I'm not, I'm not going to argue there. You're right. But when you look at like, like what's, you know, what's my voice as an artist and what do I want to create in the world? What do I want to be a part of? I don't know. To me, it's just not fulfilling. So I, I think that, you know, part of fear, like fear is scarcity too, right? Like I'm yeah. scared. I'm not going to get it. You talk yourself into being that this role is really important. And it, and in truth for you, it really isn't right. And so, you know, um, I just think it's, I think it's important to be honest with yourself, you know, because if you continue to lie to yourself long enough, you'll believe your own lies. Yeah. So if you keep telling yourself, Oh, these parts that I'm doing are important and they are important to me then, and and you're lying to yourself and you do it over and over and over. Eventually at one point you won't be able to, you'll forget you even lied to yourself because it will be kind of the truth you live, but it isn't the truth. It's actually a lie. And, and every lie you put on top is a new false identity you created. Right. And you get further and further away from who you are. And then people wonder why they're in pain. They wonder why they don't feel fulfilled. They wonder, you know? Yeah. I mean, after all of this, this work, you know, whether you, you know, especially in the acting world, you know, if you book this, this role, I mean, cause I, and I feel like, you know, not just because this is, uh, you know, a field that we're more familiar with, but because I also think that it is one of, one of the grounds in which this is, this is a big issue you know, where people are compromising on their integrity, um, to, to fill some service or because they, they feel like they have to, because they feel like, oh, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to do these things. I got to do my, you know, I've got to pay my dues into, into this before they'll see me for this and that. It's like, no, it's like, if you've got to start right from the beginning, like you've got to hold on to that right from the start. Um, you know, like my girlfriend, she actually just turned off, turned down an audition. I don't know, about two weeks ago or something like that. It was for a, an indie, indie feature film. Yeah. But she got this breakdown and, and she read it to me. And part of the, the description of the character, like it, the whole thing was bad, but it ended with, um, the only thing that she's, she didn't even have a name either. She was called hot mess or something like that. That was the name of the character was hot mess. Okay. And it was, uh, the only thing on her mind is, uh, who she's making out with tonight. Oh yeah. And that new lip gloss she got. And she was just like, no way. (laughs) She's like, there's no way I'm auditioning for this. Like, I'm not even going to read the sides. Forget about it. And she turned it down. And I was like, good for you. Like turn down that kind of stuff. I saw this really great video recently too, about, uh, it was all these actresses, uh, just in front of a camera reading actual, um, like character descriptions on audition, on audition breakdowns. And it's just unbelievable. Like, it's just 
like the most debasing, dehumanizing descriptions of women that you can imagine. I know there's a lot of people out there who don't think, you know, who are, they're kind of the anti-feminist movement. They don't think that, you know, like sexism really exists anymore. You know, it's, it's not like what it used to be, but it's still there in, in these little ways that we don't even necessarily recognize, you know, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, like, just imagine, just imagine that you, you know, you want to be uh success in your life. You know, you're, you come out of, you come out of high school, you come out of whatever college, whatever. And you realize that the only jobs that they're offering you are janitor roles. That's it. And they're like, we're going to treat you like a janitor. You are a janitor. You can clean up our mess. That's it. That's all you're worth. I don't care what your education level is. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress. I don't care about anything. You're cleaning up my shit. That's your job. And you know what? After you're done cleaning up my shit, you can go clean up their shit and then you can clean up their shit. And that's what it's like for women in acting. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the sex, right? They, you know, like, like I, I, I doubt that they go, you know what? I want to be an actress so I can show my tits off. Like, give me a break. Right. I think that, you know, most actresses that I know who, who really care about the craft and really care about acting is they want to do, they want to do the really great roles. They want to do roles of powerful women. They want to do roles. They want to challenge themselves. They don't necessarily just want to have their acting career be broken down to just being their body. And you know what? Like, I think a lot of actresses and, and the actresses that do, they play the game and they figure it out. And you know, they, they maybe augment their body or, or dress you know, the way to play the game, uh, in a sense, I can still applaud them for learning how to play the game and being successful at it. I think yeah. that that's an amazing thing. But if they're to get truthful with themselves, they would probably say, well, you know, I really would like a, a, the character that doesn't cry in the scene. Maybe the character that's actually the strong one. And I think that there's writers and creators out there like, you know, I'm not going to name them right now, but like Will Wheaton, for example, there, there's one, but people who are trying to create stronger female characters you yeah. know, and they're trying to create characters like in Star Wars, for example, the most recent one where she's really a lot stronger than a lot of the guys, you know, like that's a good female character in many ways because now we're changing the paradigm. Yeah. But like, I think the people that don't believe that sexism exists, especially like in acting, just think about that. It doesn't matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter what you do. You're only getting a janitor role and that's all you're going to be offered. And you know what? And they tell you do enough janitor roles. And then you know what? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll give you an invite to something a little bit bigger, but you know what? Even though you're the top executive of the company, every once in a while, we're going to get you to clean up our shit. (laughs) Because, <laughs> because like you look at the top actresses who are out there too, they still have to do sex scenes. Maybe they don't want to, but the movie calls for it and the woman has to do it and you know, whatever. And so that's, I, I think that comparison yeah. can maybe give people an idea of what this is really like. Right. And like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm a, a, a male, so I, I don't have the exactly the same experience, but I can have empathy for the experience. I can observe it and go, yeah, that happens a lot, you know? Yeah. And I mean, especially like in in Vancouver here. I mean, I know that like, you know, a lot of the female roles that, that you see going around, especially like, you know, when, when we are an industry type of type of city, you know, where it's like, where our actors are cast to fill in a lot of these silent on camera roles or these one or two liners kind of things. So you're playing, 
you're playing into types a little bit more and that's across the board. But, you know, for like, basically like if you're any kind of a female actress, doesn't matter, you know, what your, your look is or whatever. It's like, you've basically got to, you've got to fit into playing like a beat up hooker, <laughs> uh, or, or some sort of a trafficked sex worker. Yeah. That's another popular one. Yeah. Or you're something like hot mess at a, at a party. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, that's kind of like the, a large scope of, of what's being offered. It's like, can you, and like you're saying, like with your comparison, it's, can you imagine? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of this stuff that goes on as well. well like with, with ethnicity just, and other things as well. Exactly. Ethnicity is another one, but let's just look at this. Okay. How many times do you go into a building, a company, uh, you know, whatever, and you see the janitor and you respect their job and you go, you know what? Like, I mean, there's certain people going, oh, I respect their job. Okay. But just let's like, how many, how many people do you think on the, on the average, the masses really respect the janitor? You know what I mean? And they really go, yeah, you know, it's kind of like degrading. It's kind of like one of those things where people like look down on that. Janitors are important. People who clean up and take care of things and, and maintenance and all that stuff's important. But the thing is, is that it's this idea. Like we look down on it. Like it's like the male boy at a, at a company. It's like they're looked down on, you know what I mean? Right. And I think that, you know, if that was all that you were ever offered, it didn't matter how hard you worked. It didn't matter what you do. You might be a little bit peeved about that. And like it's for the men that can't put this on and try this on, just try that on, you know, just try on the fact that you might you know, you'll barely make enough money. So now, uh, you know, you have a house, you know, and you're barely making any money. You're not going to have the house anymore. You're not going to be able to take women out on dates, men on dates, whatever you do. You're not going to have kids. You know, you, 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 you're not going to have the respect in culture. You know what I mean? Because a lot of men base their success based on how much money they make and what they can provide. Well, now you're not able to provide it. So that's kind of the relationship to it. Right. And I think that um, as artists, we got to have courage to change the paradigm and say, no, I had a, a movie maker. I think I shared this on an earlier podcast. So I want to share it again because it's an important yeah. story. It's very relevant, but she messaged me. She's a screenwriter. Um, and she is also a actress and she messaged me and said, listen, cause what happens when people work with me, they start to get connected to other producers. Now I don't control every producer they connect to because some producers connect people to other producers. You don't know. It's a whole world out there. I don't yeah. know every producer. I try to keep my circle of producers to be very ethical and people who I think are making good movies and treating people well, but they know other producers in the world is bigger than me, right? In my circle. But anyway, so some other producer who is outside of the, the circle of, of trust, one call that, <laughs> um, <laughs> had, uh, basically they had like kind of offered her a role and the role was, uh, basically this scene, which was quite a big sex scene, but it had quite a lot of dialogue. It was for a feature film paid, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and she, she said, she read it and she said, you know, um, and they talked to her agent. It was all legitimate. Everything was all in order. And she said, I read the scene and I don't like it. I have to do the sex scene. I don't want to do the sex scene. I think the sex scene is degrading. And she said, what do I do? And I, I said, well, 
you know, what the, she explained the role. And I guess the role was a little bit more than the sex scene. I say, well, just tell them what your terms are that you don't want to do this sex scene or whatever. It's going to have to be, if you're going to do the role, it's going to have to be changed. And she said, well, you know, what if I upset them? What if my agent doesn't like me? And I, and I basically said, in not so many words, I said, fuck them, forget them. Yeah. I don't care if they don't like, who cares if they don't like you or if they're not happy with your decision? It's you. This is your life. Yeah. That's you. you That's going to be up there doing that scene. Exactly. And those are going to be photography. There's going to be pictures of you on the internet afterwards, and you're going to have to live with that. If you don't want that, and that's not something you agree with. And also if you don't believe in what the scene represented, then tell them. And I said, you know, when I do business, I do business one way, one way only. It's win, win, win. That means I win, you win, and it wins, whatever we're doing. And if one of those things loses, we don't do the deal. The deal is off. Yeah. So let's figure out how to get this to work. We all win. I don't want to do a deal with you if you lose. And I don't want to do a deal with you if I lose. And I don't want to do a deal with you if whatever we're doing together loses and other people lose out of it. Yeah. It's not good business. I'm not interested. So I said to her, I said, every decision you make from this point on, if it doesn't meet those terms, don't do the deal and, and hold people to it. Now, as far as I know, from what I understand, she did that. And, and I, I, I think that they were talking about augmenting the role and changing the role around so she could do it. And if she gets it or not, I don't know. But the thing is, is that that's what courage is. That's where things happen. You know what? She gets the role, doesn't get the role. Why do you want to work with people that don't want you to be happy, to win with what you want. Yeah. Do you really want to work with people that are going to use you and abuse you and, and be like, I don't care what you want. I want what I want. Forget it. You know, and it doesn't matter how badly you want to act. It doesn't matter because if people continue to prostitute themselves and give up their integrity, you, you know, you're going to do that for the rest of your life. You know, I, someone said to me when I was younger, uh, several years back, they said, if you prostitute yourself once with someone, not meaning like you sleep with them necessarily, but you give up on your integrity with them, it will be easier for them to get you to give up with your integrity every time from then on forever. That's the price. It's not just once you're doing that forever. And, and they said, the worst thing was, is that you're doing that with yourself forever. And you know what? You might never see them again, but you have to live with you forever. And that landed home with me. I thought, that's true. Every time you sell out on yourself, it's a little easier to sell out. So don't ever do it. And if you've done it before, start mending the mistake. Start, you know, correcting it saying, you know what? Never again. Never again. That, that's just my opinion. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, I know it seems like you agree. You're nodding. Yeah, but. no, I mean, I, there's, yeah, I mean, what, what I, there's nothing I can necessarily disagree with you. We're going to have to find some ways to bring up, to drum up some conflict on yeah. this show, Brandon. Well, we can just, <laughs> I, I think maybe we can just share about, you know, how to do it. And like, uh, you know, I think, uh, if you, if you're too scared to say no, it probably means you don't think you have options, but I want to just say that you do have options. Yeah. And don't, and my dad told me something else. I'm going to share this cause this is relevant. I remember, and I shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. I want to get my hair cut a certain way when I was a teenager, I think it was 12. And he said, well, why do you want to cut your hair that way? And I said, well, everybody else is doing it. And he, and he turned to me and said, don't ever do anything because everyone else is doing it. And we kind of had a little talk about it. And I it was one of the best lessons ever. Cause I realized don't, yeah, it's true. Don't do stuff just cause everyone else is doing it. I mean, that's no way to be a leader. No, that's it, a way to follow the crowd. And so if you say, 
I've got to do the role because everyone else would do the role or someone else will do it. Don't do it because everyone else will do it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. What matters is would you do it? You know? And I think that we constantly, we have these little tricks we do to sell out on ourselves where we go, well, if I don't do it, someone else will, or I need the money. Right. Or whatever. Or we need this or we need that. And it's, yeah. And it's funny because as you're, as you're talking, you're like, I can, I'm looking at this, not even from a realm of like any, you know, acting or, or art or anything. Like I, I just think about my life and I remember, a, you know, a period in my life, you know, like over the course of years where I just wanted to fit in, you know, I just wanted to fit in with the popular kids, you know, with the cool kids. I wanted that so badly. And I would do things like, you know, like I, I got, I bought tearaways, you know, like, because everybody else had tearaways. I wanted to, you know, I was doing everything that they were doing because that's what they were doing as ridiculous as sometimes these things were. It was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'll do this. And it was such, and, and I ended up like completely walking away from this group of friends, you know, at, you know, at this one point where it was just like, it was, you know, one of those rock bottom moments that you talk about in screenwriting, you know, it's like, <laughs> what's your rock bottom. Right. And right. I hit this rock bottom where I was just like, I'd spent years, you know, in this game of sort of like chasing popularity and chasing to be accepted by this group of people who were still kind of treating me like garbage. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I was still getting treated like garbage and I was so unhappy. And so I walked away. I could I just, one day I just walked away from them and I, and I got new friends. Yeah. And I never had to play that again. Yeah. Until were... I started getting professionally at, into acting and then <laughs> I got to learn that lesson right. all over again. Right. But it's, it is such an unhealthy way of living your life, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to be basing everything that you do on, on someone else or on something else, you know, again, doing stuff that's, that's not even really what you want or even, and and the thing is sometimes we do it because we're like, oh, well, I don't even know what I want. And maybe that's what the scary thing is, but better to start figuring that out now. Yeah. You know, it's like, you don't know what you want. Well, start somewhere like what, what, like in a general idea, start, start, I don't know, start writing about it. Start talking about what your interests are with, with somebody or or whatever, like start to figure it out now. Don't wait for this low point to happen to you, you know, where you've spent years just doing this. I mean, like there's nothing ever wasted. Like I said, in my experience, like I learned some pretty valuable lessons from all of it, you know? And and it, there, there were some hard lessons, you know, like I, I took a lot of damage and I also did some pretty like bad things myself too, just all in the name of fitting in, mm-hmm. you know, being something that I thought everyone wanted me to be. Well, just the very act of trying to fit in, which I've done myself is damaging. Yeah. If you think about it, the reason why it's damaging is because if you're trying to fit in, but you don't really want to do it. And I'm trying to fit in, but I don't really want to do it. Neither of us really want it, 
but we're both doing it because we think each other wants it. Now, third person comes in and they're doing it, but they don't really want to do it, but we're doing it, so they better do it, otherwise we don't accept them. And it becomes this inertia of everybody's kind of doing it because if we don't do it, we don't think any of us will really like each other. Meanwhile, none of us are really talking about what do you really want? You know, what do you really want to do? Right. And we're all so scared. We're all walking around going, well, we better do it. Otherwise we won't fit in. Well, here's the thing, you know, what, like, I think we have this like crazy fear of loneliness and we don't think we can survive on our own, but aloneness, you know, being alone and being without is, is a temporary thing. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, there's, there's people in the world who are, you know, people go through adversity in life. People get, you know, they go through these life shifts. So people who maybe didn't get along with you yesterday might get along with you today because they've changed, they've grown, they've evolved. But if you continue to placate what you know, even though you don't want to be a part of it, but you're doing it, I mean, you're going to end up getting stuck. And I, and I know that I have before myself is like, it's destructive because you're teaching other people to conform to an idea, you know, um, where it's like, don't do it. Like, you know, and also I want to another, another comment was you said, you know, maybe you don't know what you want. I don't know if I said this earlier, but if you don't know what you want, you're going to get what you get. So it, it is in your best interest to figure out what you want. Even if you're like, I just, I don't know if I really want this, but what I think I want right now is this. That's better than going, I don't know what I want. Yeah. Cause at least you can take some responsibility and say, I got what I wanted. Cause at least I, you know, maybe you went, you go, I want this, you go and you get it. And then you realize, wait, I don't really want this. That's fine. At least you can say, Hey, I yeah. thought I wanted that, but now I know I don't want it. So I'm going to go want something else. And yeah. Go do something else. Like we've talked about so much about like, you know, go in a direction. Like you don't have to know because the thing is, is also you don't, you can't possibly know exactly how something is going to work out like all the planning, all the preparation, there's always going to be something that you never saw, but just pick a direction, pick a direction and go in it. And yeah, you'll discover it's like, Oh yeah, this is what I want. I want something more like this. The thing is like, you always, it's like, I, I find that it's always this whole thing of you almost start at, at zero at so many different points. And you go in a direction, you get to this, you get to this place. You're like, Oh, okay. That's where this, this led me. Okay. Well, I don't quite want this part of it, but I want this. And you start to get more and more, more clear, you know, but you have to, you have to take that step. You have to take that first step. And then that one will tell you what the next direction is and what the next one is and what the next one is. Right. I mean, there's no, and it, and it doesn't end. It doesn't stop, which is, you know, you might as well learn to embrace that yeah. process now. <laughs> like there's never like there's, it's weird. Like we all have this thing in our brains, you know, that there is some sort of ultimate satisfaction that we will reach in our lives of. It's just like, yes, everything is good. And I can, and for a lot of us too, it's like our, our, it's us not having to do anything. Like we just get to, I don't know, sit around on a beach all day. Like, you know, it seems I, good in theory. Seems good in theory. It's like, yeah, I love going to the beach, but <laughs> I don't think I want to go to the beach 365 days a year and do nothing but lounge around. 
I mean, there's enough evidence on reality TV shows to show how kind of screwed up that life gets you. <laughs> so, like, you, you might as well just embrace this whole thing that's like, it's never going to stop. Like, you're, and, and yeah. you can actually enjoy that journey. You can actually enjoy that process of being like, okay, like I'm picking this direction. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And that's like, Oh, okay. I didn't see that coming. All right. Now I'm going to go here. Now I'm going to go here. I'm now going to go here and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're probably going to have some, some terrific victories and you're probably going to have some pretty wonderful defeats as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's uh, it's, it's interesting too, because we do a lot of things for the results. Like I know I do. I mean, and, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things I struggle with a lot where I go, well, I want things to work out this way. I'm going to do this thing because I think I'll get this result. And, you know, in theory, it seems like a good idea to go for your results. But the problem is, is that it only works so long as you believe you can get the result. And the moment you don't believe you can get the result, it kills your motivation. I was talking a little bit about this before, like, endless motivation. If endless motivation is not based on results, it's based on the actual process, the actual doing and being of it. You know, like it's like if you enjoy something, you know, you, you, I don't know, for example, maybe you want something, maybe you want to open up a door. It's going to take a certain amount of work, right? Like, uh, for example, if I wanted to raise a hundred thousand dollars for a movie, I got to call X amount of people, have X amount of meetings and do X amount of deals. And then by the time I do that, I'll have my hundred thousand dollars or whatever. If I need more money, I have to do that multiplied, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you think, okay, well, once I get the money to do the thing or whatever, then I'll be good and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't really work like that. Cause you get the money. Now you got to go do the next thing. And it's, it's, if you are waiting for the day, where you completed the goal to be happy, it's going to be like torture and pain the whole way through. But if you can love the process of, of connecting with the people, making the calls, sitting down, having the meetings, doing the presentations, getting the deals signed, just love the whole process of it. Or, or even love the process of someone saying, no, I'm not interested, but loving it because it's like, great. I found out why you're not interested. I I figured out what I'm doing incorrectly. Um, those are all kind of results. But the thing is, is we get so minutely focused on the result needs to be this way. And it's like, you know, like I think about dating, for example, let's say you see someone across the room, you're at a party and you go, that person is someone I want to talk to. I'm so attracted to that person. I want to know them. And you make it that unless they say yes, it's not worth doing. Well, you look at them and then you equate your value and you say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable. I'm not lovable, blah, 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 whatever we do. And then you look at that person and you pull them up in high esteem and you think, wow, they're so great. Why would they ever want me? You're going to talk yourself out of doing, you're not going to do it because the idea of them saying yes is going to become so small that you're going to be like, whatever. Okay. So even if that's the case, if you could just like the fact that you had the courage, like liking courage. And I love how their beer is called. This has just kind of gotten me on this (laughs) run. But, um, if you like the fact that you're somebody who goes up and talks to people you like, regardless of what they say, and you have a pride in that, a value in that. And I'm talking about a positive pride, not a fake pride, but a real legitimate, I did that. Uh, 
you don't care what they say. You know, it'd be nice if they said yes, that'd be a bonus. That's what I would prefer. But if they don't, it's okay. Because I'm not a coward. I'm not someone that says I want something and is too afraid to go for it. You know, but I think we live in a world where cowardice is promoted. No one talks about it, but yet it's promoted. It's okay for us to not go after what we want. And everyone's like, oh, that's okay. In fact, play it safe, Evan. Make sure that you have a backup plan. Make sure (laughs) that you're okay. Because if this doesn't work out, just be prepared. And it's like, you know what? In life, sometimes there's no time to set up a backup plan. Sometimes it's go and do it or it's done. It's over. You never get the end of their opportunity. So you got to start being the kind of person. And I think that's what courage is about. The courage is about saying, I know what I want. I want this thing. I've recognized I want this thing. And now I'm going to go and I'm going to try and do it. And you know what? What, However it turns out, I was courageous as opposed to every other time you don't do it, you're choosing cowardice. And there's a saying, they say uh, a coward or uh, a coward dies a thousand deaths. A courageous man won, you know, or courageous woman won. But it's true. Every time that you say, you know, I'd like to do that and you don't, you died. It didn't work out. The result is the same. It didn't work out. But if you did it courageously, you find out in that moment, okay, it didn't work out, but you learn something. Yeah. The coward never learns anything. Yeah. The coward just dies over and over. And I think that, well, the coward just disengages, mm-hmm. you know, courage means you engage you, you in, in an experience, you know, you actually try it on. You don't know, you don't, again, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, cause again, if, if you knew how everything was going to turn out, then like, that's the thing. It's like without fear, you know, you say like without fear, there is no courage. And I understand this, the, like the, that concept, I think most of us can, but I also think that like, if, yeah, like, and I guess maybe it is somewhat the same thing, but if you knew how something was going to turn out all the time, well then you wouldn't really need to have courage either. No. You know, because there would be nothing to fear. If there was some sort of a bad outcome, you would know that that was going to be the outcome. And if you knew it was going to be something good, then you knew that. So there would be nothing to be afraid of. Right. So that's, again, you, you need to like courage means also facing the unknown, which is yes. Everything. You, you just hit the golden ticket, Evan. I mean, that's exactly it. We constantly want this guarantee. We constantly want to know. We want to know how it's going to work out before it's worked out. And unless we know, we're not willing to do it. That's the epitome of cowardice. Cowardice is I need to know. Courageous is I don't need to know. I just know I want to do it. So if I could, if I could say anything to anybody, I'd say, stop needing to know. It doesn't matter. You're going to find out. And you know what? Here's, here's life, a little life reality. You're never going to know. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to yep. know. Your safety net is full of <laughs> shit anyway. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like your money and all that stuff tomorrow, there could be a, a change in the world. Donald Trump could take over. Money <laughs> could be worth nothing. You know what I mean? You, the getting, American- <laughs> getting political now. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, I don't even it. feel like it's political. It's like the world has just come together on that oh one. Just being like, oh my God. But, um, yeah, no, I, 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 well, here's a legitimate example before Hitler, right? Before Hitler, Germany, their dollar was worth so little 
on the world market that it costs like hundreds of dollars to have a piece of bread. People were starving. Yep. So that was part of the reason why Hitler was able to take over. His money was worth nothing, but people's money, whatever money they had, which at the time was worth a lot during that time when it was worth nothing, you know, call, call that a safety net. Your money that you thought would keep you safe didn't keep you safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't think that could happen anywhere in the world at any time. If you know anything about economics or about the world market and how this works, you might have this massive bank account and you think you're safe because you have it. You don't. You do not know. We, but we like to create this illusion of belief that we know. Yeah. Yes. In the current situation, your money is probably valuable. It can create a certain amount of safety and security and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, uh, um, these kids, they, you know, I feel so terrible because the older generation didn't realize what they were telling kids, but they're saying, go get a degree, go get your degree in college. And if you get your degree, you'll get a good job. And guess what? The way the world works right now is that doesn't actually work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And so now you have people that had this safety net and did the thing and they trusted, they didn't do what they wanted. Some of them did, but some people didn't do that because they wanted to. They did it because they thought I'll be safe if I do it. And they lo and behold found out, Hey, you're not going to get the job and the career and the opportunity you thought you would. So this trying, this pursuit of safety is just, it's the coward's option. And, and very rarely is it always going to work out. You've got to be courageous at some point. You've got to go for it. But you know what the interesting thing is, is that out of that, and you know, we're still figuring all of this out because you know, not, and again, not that there's anything wrong with college and university and getting a degrees and stuff. It's just that, you know, it's so, it's such a commodity now. Yeah. Um, you know, even the way that the school systems work in like universities and colleges, like, you know, they, they're, they're businesses as much as, you know, any other corporation out there, schools are businesses. Uh, and, and for, and you see that there's been this thing, like who have been the biggest sort of like successes. Like if you look at who, like the, the people who've become sort of like the biggest sort of like the next like Forbes 500 or the biggest new companies, and they're coming up like the, these companies that start out of people's garages, you know, a lot of these people, like sometimes they did have degrees and, but there was no jobs for them mm-hmm. or some, maybe they didn't get a degree in something, but they knew about how to do something and they had an idea. So creativity has been sort of the way that new businesses have been thriving. They're like saying like, no, they didn't play it safe. They didn't play by those like these old things where it's like, okay, I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get a job at this place. I'm going to get myself a salary and work for the next, you know, 40, 50 years well, and retire. And look at Owen who came on uh, last interview and he was talking about the book. He was talking about his friends who went and got their degree and his book came out of that idea. It came out of a creative idea of look at this situation. And what if these kids, like if anyone knows his books, the professionals, but if, if these kids went and kidnapped people to make money, but he just said, you know, why don't I be creative? Why don't I write a book about that? And if you know anything about Owen, which I know a little bit about him, he used to write for a poker website and all that. He had a very safe, secure writing job. Right. And he decided to end that job and write novels, which is a risk. But now, you know, he's a touring writer who has a multi-book deal. I think it's like six books for his detective series, two books now for his teen series. He's a legitimate novel novelist who continues to get paid and continues to tour 
you know, the world to, to do that. And as a career, as a, as, as a writer. Right. And so, I mean, that took risk, you know? And so it's not to say that the degree is a problem. It's, it doesn't matter if you've lived your life safe all the way up to today, but it's not to say that you're a bad person. It's just to say that you are misguided. That's it. But like, I hope that when people listen to this podcast, that it kind of makes them go, maybe I'm living safe. Maybe I'll be more courageous. Maybe here's a point for courage as opposed to a point for, you know, cowardice, because I think people will, are willing to be courageous if they realize the value of courage. If you realize the value of courage, I think you'll be willing to do it. But I don't think that we've had a culture where people understand why courage is so valuable. They, if, if you realized why it was valuable, you would do it. But I think we're in a culture where, where courage from a, is marketed as a dangerous thing to do. It's dangerous to be courageous. It's dangerous to go out after what you want. It's dangerous not to have a safety net, you know, and, um, there's the, the, the only safety net you have at the end of the day is the, who you are is, is what you've built yourself to be and what you can do as a person. You know, there's a, uh, one of my coaches back in the day said, you know, okay, Brandon, let's just say you lost all your money, right? Cause I was, I was contemplating taking a certain risk. And he said, well, let's say this happens. Let's say you lose all your money. You do this thing. So what's the worst that could happen? So we're facing the fear, right? We break it all the way down. I go, well, I lose my house. I'm, I'm homeless. I'm living on the street. I got a sign, whatever. He said, well, so what? What's the problem? What are you going to do now? And I, th- and I thought about it. And I said, well, I would probably be one of those homeless people that had like a really funny sign, like, you know, uh, trying to get back on my feet, give me a buck or something. Or yeah. like, you know, I'm starting my, I'm starting my enterprise lemonades in the back, you know, like I I'd do something funny. I'd be creative. Yeah. And you know what? And I thought about it. And I said, you know, <clears throat> would it be the worst case scenario? And I said, you know, if I built myself back up from there, like what a great story that would be. And I started to look at, I started to realize, well, it's not actually so scary. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, I know enough about social culture that I realized that if you are homeless and you've totally lost your way, I mean, if anyone who knows anything about me, I mean, my parents had to declare bankruptcy and I lived in a trailer park for a while yeah. after living in a mansion. So I know what it's like to not have money. I, I know what it's like to be surviving on, okay, all we got is bread and peanut butter and we're going to figure out how to get through tonight. Yeah. I know what that's like, you know, and I'm sure many people have had it far worse than I have had, but I've had a certain experience with that. And I realized, well, in a sense, when you're at the bottom of what you think the worst it can be and you're not, you're not dead you know, and you still got your health, you can figure out how to rise back up. You know, I think the more we achieve in a sense, the scarier it becomes because the more secure and the more safe we need to protect everything. Well, yeah. I mean, the more we have, the more we stand to lose, right? So these things we're scared of like losing everything in a sense, well, that actually would free you. That would actually give you the opportunity. Well, yeah. I mean, if those things can, so if these things can so easily be lost, which they can, Mm Mm-hmm you know, then what is their real value? Right. You know, on a more philosophical side of this thing, you know, it's like if, if it can all be, have you seen that, um, there's this great speech that, um, Jim Carrey gave as like, I love that. Yeah. It was was, so uh, great for a university. Yes. He was like made an honorary, you know, like graduate or something like that. And he spoke to them and, he had this, and it was this great story about his dad who 
had a job as like a banker or something like that, but who always wanted to be a stand-up comedian or something like that. Like he always wanted to be a performer, but he chose to be a banker because like that was, that was the safe, responsible choice to make. And after like 10 years or so at this job, he was, he was just cut. Like he was laid off with like nothing, absolutely nothing. And his whole point at the end of it was like, so you might as well (laughs) do what you want to do because you could do something you don't want to do and still fail. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so what would you rather, what would you rather fail at doing? You're going to spend 10 years of your life doing some, something like it is, it's so, it's so fragile. I mean, the great depression showed that, you know, like in people who had these massive, who had accumulated these massive fortunes and empires lost yeah. in a, in a stock market crash, mm-hmm. everything changed, you know, like everything shifted. And then like the offshoot of that was that all these people who had nothing actually suddenly like they actually came out of the, because they, they're like, well, whatever. I've never, I haven't really lost anything. I'm still in the same place I was before. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, to take that, uh, there's many things we can go with this, but to take that stock market thing. Okay. Well, where, <clears throat> you know, the, the markets dropped in a big way, especially cause a lot of, um, stocks are tied to the U S and whatnot. And they took this major, major drop. Some people come away from that and they say, well, it's a good thing. I didn't invest. It's a good thing. I didn't save money. It's a good thing. It's like, well, no, that's not the lesson to learn from that. Like, you know, and I shared this book with you and my dad shared it with me and, you know, it's so down the line, but, uh, people share it with each other, but it's called the richest man in Babylon. And, yeah. you know, you can read other books like the wealthy barber and rich dad, poor dad and other things like that. But at the end of the day, save 10% of everything you make. No, this is just smart advice because if you make $10 and you spend all of that $10, you've made zero. You've never, you haven't made any money, but if you, make $10 and you save $1, you made $1. The rest was spent. And what people don't realize is that there's a difference between spending and having and investing. And, you know, um, I think that if you're going to, you know, when you, when you look at money and whatnot, um, it doesn't matter what job you do, but what's really great about saving 10% of everything you make is you just take everything you've ever saved over the course of your life or the course of the time that you saved and you multiply that by 10 and you realize, Hey, that's how much I've made. And this is how much I have to show for it because you know, the government is taking their part. They're taking their 30 to 40% or whatever. Yeah. And you know, um, your living expenses, they're taking their part. And if you have children or a fiance or a wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or whatever, they're taking their part. Everybody's taking their part of this money that you're working for and you're earning. You know what I mean? And we, we have this currency, this thing in which we function on. And so if you keep none for yourself at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense. Now, uh, there's a, there's, I think this is important because people take this money. If you have money, you, you at least it's not a safety net, but it's a flexibility. You know, when you're running on nothing and you say, I I don't care about money. I'm just going to spend all my money. I'm just going to get rid of it as fast as I have it. You, you know, you don't have as many options. It's not like, I think people look at money, like they look at saving, like it's a safety net. Don't look at money like a safety net. Look at it like freedom. Look at like options right now, because 
if let's say, um, <clears throat> you know, when there's people sometimes who I'll do a consultation call with them and they'll say, this course is exactly what I need right now. They're like, please let me into it. And then we'll get to the point where we talk about how much it is. And they say, well, I don't have the money. And I, if, if they've created enough of a situation, I try to work with them, but I, but I usually say, well, how did you set up your life? How did you prepare your life where this opportunity would come along and you wouldn't be prepared to meet it? That's what money is. Money is about preparing for an opportunity. It's about being setting yourself up so you have the option to do what you need. Not so that in case everything goes wrong, I'll still be okay. It's not so much about that as much as it is about, I want to accumulate some type of option that is beyond my immediate capacity. Yeah. It's just like building a team, right? If I build it, if I'm just me, if I run my business alone, I just have me. But if I get 10 people and I train them well, my capacity is don't, you know, 10 more people, but all those people could quit. They're not a safety net. They're not making everything sure. Like they could pass away. They could move on. They could get a new job. They could do whatever. If I'm trying to contain them and keep them there and I don't want them to leave, then I'm scared. But if I'm like, yeah, you know what? If you want to start a business, go off and start a business. You know what I mean? Um, let's figure out how we can help each other. But if I'm trying to be like, no, you can't leave because I need you. I've trained you. You know, you're, you're, you're walking in that place of, of scarcity of like, whatever. The thing is, is like, you know, if I train, if I train the 10 people, well, and I don't want to train anyone else, we'll train someone else to train the next person and then get them to do the foundations. And then I'll fill in the gaps. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, it's like money's the same way. Money is like, creating options. It's like multiplying yourself a little bit. Yeah. Well, money is just, um, you know, I, I heard it. I remember reading this book and it says like money is money is, does not really mean anything. Like, you know, we, we all have these weird relationships with, with money and, and these oftentimes kind of hidden, hidden beliefs that are like deep down inside of us of like, Oh, like I, and we have a lot of funny feelings and thoughts about, about money. Um, but that money is just, just an energy. It's not a, it's like money's neither good nor bad, but money is often something that's very like, it's, it's a vilified thing. You know, like when we think of, of wealth, you know, when you really think of wealth, like think of how wealthy people are typically portrayed Mm -hmm. in, you know, in films and television. I mean, like through a lot of our mediums that we consume, the most, you know, usually wealthy people are, are portrayed as, you know, these greedy and corrupt and, you know, just overall not very good human beings. And that actually has an effect on us. Like mm-hmm. we actually have these subconscious things about, about money that make us go, it's like, Oh, well, I don't really, I don't really want to be that. But at the same time, we're also pursuing it kind of endlessly, mm-hmm. which is this really bizarre kind of messed up thing that's going on within, within our minds all the time. Well, it's like people believe like they can have a certain amount of money, but if they have more than that, that is somehow wrong, you know, where it's like, I mean, not everybody has the same beliefs, but you know, there are these messed up things about money. But I think that the bottom line is you come back down to the principles. What are we talking about? We're talking about being willing to be courageous, um, not doing things to, you know, not trying to do things to be safe, but I think doing things to be 
is to have a certain amount of freedom, you know, like courage is a currency as well, just as money. I mean, the more courage you have, it's like putting money in a bank account. You know, the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more willing and capable you are of meeting the challenge when it arrives. You know, um, you know, that moment I, I referred to it early, I see the person across the room and I say, that is the person that I want to talk to, whatever they, they look a certain way, they dress a certain way, they behave a certain way. And to me, I look at them and I see them or I talk to them, maybe even communicate with them. And I am connecting with them. And I say, this person seems like someone I would really like to date. Well, if my ability to walk up to that person and ask them out or my courage to do that was not built on that night. It was built on the every day leading up to that moment. It my my life is a preparation to that moment. And if I don't have the courage, if I'm too scared, if I'm not willing to go and ask this person out, I didn't build the courage leading up to today. It's it's like people are, they, they wait until the last very moment to, to, to have the ability to do it. And ability is not made in the moment. It's made because you planned for it. You prepared for it. You said, you know, one day I'm going to be ready. You know, people asked me for a while there, I was working out and the role that I was doing got majorly delayed and I didn't have to necessarily work out the way I was. And they said, well, what are you working out for? And I said, well, I'm working out partly because I want to, because I value it, partly because I want to be ready. I want to be ready and I want to be the kind of person I need to be when, when the types of things I want show up. And I think that's really what it's about. You know, it's, you're not going to get fit in a day. You're not going to build courage in a day. You got to start building it little by little by little. And then when your opportunity comes, when your big opportunity comes, which they're, they're, they're a little more rare and the big ones are really rare that you're prepared for it, you know, but if you're waiting and you'd be like, I'll figure it out when it happens. It doesn't work like that. I mean, even, even in Meisner acting, which is moment to moment, what is the basis preparation, right? What is the basis? What are you leading in with? Because your leading moment, your 17th moment down the line is, is probably going to be disconnected if you haven't connected your very first moment. I mean, like if you're hoping to just drop in, I mean, your chances of missing the moment and not being connected, it's not going to work. Wouldn't you agree with me? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's some degree. It's like, yeah, to some degree there are, you can draw some parallels to that. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. Like from the very first moment, like it, it creates the next one, which creates the next one, which creates the next one. And you know, you come in from a place you know, so that, yeah, I mean, there is a certain level of focus to let me, which, let me, let me, okay, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to yeah. say if you're disconnected for the whole scene and then the big moment comes in the scene and you say, when the big moment comes, I'll be connected. What are the chances of you being connected versus if you were disconnected the right. whole scene or you were connected uh, from the very first moment or at least mo- many moments before that last moment, that big moment? What yes. are the chances of you being connected at the big moment when it really matters? Oh yes. Okay. Higher. That makes it, makes right. it higher. Yeah. Like if your odds are better. Yeah, they? absolutely. That's what absolutely. I'm trying to point out as I'm yeah. trying to point out that you're, you're willing to be connectedness when it was easy is going to be a lot easier when it gets hard. Like that moment where you're supposed to cry or whatever the scene says cry. Right? Yeah. And, and you know what? The person, the other character in the scene says, why are you crying? That's their line. 
So it's clear you're supposed to be yeah. crying, right? But you go, I'll figure out how to cry when I get to the cry part, right? In a sense, but I'm going to be disconnected through the whole scene. I'm not going to do yeah. moment to moment. I'm going to plan every moment. I mean, actually, I'm even going to plan the crying, but I'll figure out the crying. Yeah. Get, you know? Yeah, no, the funny, the funny thing is, is that I've actually, you know, witnessed and I've probably even done it myself, you know, <laughs> on more than one occasion where it's just like, you're just, you're saving yourself up for this, like one, this, what you've deemed and judged to be the big moment, <laughs> the big moment. Usually, yeah, some sort of an emotional outburst where someone cries or someone gets really angry. Yeah, that's usually what what it is. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> you funny. these things. Yeah, it's like yeah, I can have this thing about emotional blowups, either with crying or getting pissed off. And we go, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they cried. Yes, they cried. they're great, aren't they? <laughs> um, but you know, and the, but the whole thing is that like you just watched, you know, ten minutes of a scene leading up to that point where you watched an actor basically just like gearing themselves up for <laughs> for this moment to happen. Yeah, and it's like the other actor might as well have been like up there with a with a blow up doll, you know. Yeah, and when I and I think you raise a good point too. I'm not talking about preparing in the sense that you're gearing up, like waiting for this moment to happen, and like you know, you're getting yourself ready. Cause yeah. you don't know when the moment's going to happen. Like in life, you don't know, like in the scene, if it's pre-written, you have an idea of when it's going to happen in the scene. But in life, you don't know when the opportunity is going to strike. You yeah. don't know when you're going to be at the party, see the person you want to date is going to show up and you need the courage to be able to ask them out. And if you don't, it's gone. And if you do, you have a chance. Yeah. But you know, when I'm talking about the preparation is not that you know when the moment's coming, but you continue to be that type of person, be a courageous person where it's like, you know, for example, just to give you an example, I was working on my courage and I was working on my charisma and working on my social ability. And I was at the gym and my, my gym partner didn't show up that day. And a guy and I were walking out of the gym and we started, or walking out of the locker room and we started having a conversation. And I said, Hey, what muscle group are you working? And he said, uh, he said, Oh yeah, I'm going to do uh, chest and uh, tries today. And I said, great, me too. I'm like, do you want to be my partner? Do you want to work out together? And he goes, Oh no, I want to work out alone. And I said, okay, no problem. And, um, I was like, there was a part of me that was scared to ask him because yeah. I was like, I don't know this guy and I don't know how he works out. I don't even know whatever, anything, but, but, um, and I know that might sound simple, but it was a simple way to build my charisma, to build my courage, to build my willingness. And so even though he said no to me, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that I actually asked him, you know what yeah. I mean? And then I was willing to talk to him and, and, and have that conversation. Um, you know, it could be, you know, take more create courage. I could have been, if I was really committed to having a partner that day, I could have gone around to every single guy who was working out alone and said, Hey, or looked at people who were working with similar muscle groups to me and said, Hey, um, do you want a partner? Do you want someone to spot you? Um, cause I'd really like someone to spot me. So, cause when you have a spotter, you can lift a bit more weight. Yeah. It's not dangerous, you know? Um, and so I could have done that, but the thing is, is courage is like, you can build a lot of courage in a day. Just keep going after what you want and be willing to talk to people. I mean, it's, a, I think what I'm pointing out in this scenario is we're so scared to talk to people we don't know. I mean, I know I am, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten better at it, but I know that most people like are, are scared to just talk to people. Um, like, like for some reason, this is the funny thing, Evan. It's like you go to order some coffee. You're not scared to talk to the barista and tell them what you want to order. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why are you scared to talk to the other person that's sitting there having a coffee? Like, why is that not okay? You know what I mean? But we create these social things about like, what if this person who's having coffee doesn't want me to sit down with them? You know, when I started college, I didn't know anybody. I was starting college and and it was, you know, I didn't know any single person. So what I would do is I'd go to the library and I'd look for someone who was sitting down and studying and I'd say, hey, do you mind if I study with you? And most everybody would say yes, because most people were sitting there alone going, this sucks, I'm sitting alone. And someone says, hey, you know, and I'd ask them, what are you studying? And you know, maybe we're studying something different and we talk. And then by the end of the time we started studying, I had a friend and I had someone next to me. I felt like we were doing something together. And, I, and we were often friends by the end of it. And I made a lot of friends that way. And, you know, it's like, it's just so funny how like we're in this culture where people, you know, people used to ask me, how do you have so many friends? And I'd say, I literally go up to people and I talk to them, (laughs) period. I mean, but it's amazing because like, like, why is that not the most obvious answer? You know? Yeah. I mean, I were again, like it, it's this fear of like, well, what, how are they going to react to me? Are they going to think I'm, I'm some weirdo? Like, are they going to think I'm blah, 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 blah. It's like, guess what? Like everybody's got the same damn fears. Everyone's doing the same damn thing. And it's like, if you've ever sat alone somewhere and ever thought, I'm like, man, I wish somebody would just come up and talk to me or something, or just have like a stranger come up and, you know, start a conversation. Well, be that stranger and go and have a conversation with somebody, you yeah. know, like it's, it's cause it, for the most part, we're all kind of the same in yeah. a lot of basic human ways. You know, it's like, we actually thrive on interaction, mm-hmm. you know, with other people, you know, it's like, we're not just floating out here on this world by ourselves, completely cut off and separate from one another. It's just like, no, we are all sharing this planet and we are all living our lives and we all are afraid of the same dumb things. (laughs) You know, I think when, uh, when people are scared to talk to people, I guess, I mean, I think, you know, maybe not everybody's had this experience, but I, I, I mean, a lot of people I know have had this experience where someone approaches you and talks to you and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and you don't really oh, want yeah. to talk to them yeah, yeah, yeah. or you have trouble breaking the rapport, breaking the kind of getting rid of them and being like, Hey, you like, you know, I'm too uncomfortable to tell this person I don't want to talk to them. So I'm going to be polite, but I hope they'll leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that part of the reason why we don't talk to people is because we're probably scared. We're going to be that, be that person. person. Right. But I mean, okay. You know, you have to look at it in a sense that it's like, what were the reasons why you didn't want to talk to that person? Like, you know, for example, it's not often, you know, like it's usually like, like if it was like, I don't know, someone came and talked to me and they were, um, a homeless person and they were asking me for money and I told them no. And then they kept asking me and they were like bugging me and, and kind of saying like, well, come on, blah, 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 or whatever. That might be a scenario where, um, it was uncomfortable because, they were asking for something from me that I didn't want to give. But if that person came up to me and said, you know, Hey, uh, you know, um, how, how are you doing? How's your day going? And they, and then I kind of got the sense that they didn't want anything from me, but they just more or less wanted to get to know me. You know, I, I remember when I first moved to Vancouver, I was uh, about 17 and I remember there was this homeless guy who lived, um, or I don't know if he lived, but he was almost always on this street, just off, off of my street. And I would constantly be walking down that street and every day we would talk. 
And at one point I came out of the supermarket and he asked me for some change, but he was a really nice guy. And he always would ask me like, how are you doing? How's your day going? And he was just very considerate. And I could tell that he was struggling in his life. And I remember one day I said, Hey, I'm, and I sat down next to him on the street and we had a big conversation. And I remember he was so surprised that I sat down next to him. And I, and I think like that was a guy who earned my wanting to talk to him. He, his, his, um, behavior, the way he communicated with me. Yeah. I did give him some change. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I did want something for me, but the way in which he handled it. Right. And so I think like when we're scared to talk to someone and we're scared of being that person, like often the people you don't want to talk to, they're people who are being like, not genuine. They're people who are trying to get something from you or they're not, they don't really care about you. Like if you want to yeah. make friends, look at what they want and try and give them a bit of something of they want. Like, I think, you know, like if I'm looking at the person across the, you know, I'm going to go back to this dating example. I'm going to use this a few times probably, but I'm going to go back to this dating example. If I'm going to ask this person out on a date, Jeez, I, just do it already, bro. Just do it. I'm getting <laughs> good. I've been talking to do it. You've been talking about this girl. Oh, she's leaving. The room she's all, leaving. All, all, I gotta go now. I gotta go now. I'll talk to you in a bit. Uh, <laughs> so, but if I go and ask her out and there's nothing in it for him, for her, right? She's probably not going to want to go out with me because it's not my value. It's just that if she doesn't see that there's anything in it for her, well, so what do I got to do? You know, what do I got to do to make sure that she sees that there's value in us maybe going out? Well, if I just go up to her cold and ask her out, I don't know. I haven't talked to her. We haven't even really seen each other. I've seen her, but then we talk. Well, she better be attracted to me or something because she's not going to see a value in it otherwise. But let's say I'm not the most attractive guy or I'm not up to her standards of attraction. She wants a guy that looks a certain way and I don't maybe look that way. Fine. Um, well, maybe attraction alone is enough to get her to want to date me. So maybe I need to, you know, start a conversation with her, get her to laugh, get her to see that I'm funny, get her to see that I actually think about things in a deep way and we can have a great conversation. Once she sees that, she's going to see value in me. She's going to want to go on a date. But I think what people do is they, they go, I want this. I don't care what they want. I just want it. So they should give it to me. And it's like, well, no, they're not going to give it to you unless they see a value in it. Just like you're not going to give someone else something unless you see value in it. So yeah. courage isn't about being dumb, but it's about getting over your fear. And there's still a certain principle when you're connecting with another human being is that offer value, offer them value. And, and, you know, you might, I might go up to this person at the, at the other side of this party and I talk to them and I realize, wow, I was really attracted to this person. But now after talking to them, I realize I don't actually want to date them. And then I might just say, Hey, it was really nice to meet you and not ask them out. Yeah. You know, but in the onset, based on the scenario, I think I want to, but then, you know, you might end up realizing and says, she says, you know, um, she says something really harsh about animals. You know, I, I love animals. And I think if someone's like, like I hate cats, for example, I love cats. And I might say, well, uh, I don't know. Do I want to really date someone that doesn't like animals and is like mean to animals? Well, no, I'm probably going to walk away, but I don't know that, you know, but I think we have this, like my value doesn't need to be tied up in her answer, you know? And yeah. it's like, we create these false ideas is what I'm, what I'm trying to point out. I'm yeah. not trying to do a dating program here, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, just, no, I get you. I'm pointing out you. something that I've often feel, felt fear about and I've had to have courage to go and ask the person out. Yeah. 
Well, in Vancouver, most women will say that guys never ask them out anymore. You know, they do the Tinder, they do the dating app or whatever, but they don't go up and ask them out anymore. And women get frustrated with that. And you know what? Sometimes a, a woman will say yes to you for a date simply because you were willing to ask her out alone. Cause it's nice to yeah. be asked out. It's nice when someone actually approaches you as opposed to like having to see some false profile online about someone who's presenting yeah. themselves. You get to see that person face to face and look at them. I don't know how it works in other places. I'm just saying in Vancouver, that's a very common thing. Yeah. Right I mean, here. it's just this reminder that everyone's again, everyone's just a human being. Everyone's just like, you know, like in, you know, it's, it's an important thing. I, I feel in, in, like you should never really necessarily be in awe of anybody. Go on. But I mean, it's like, they're, they're just another human being like you. That doesn't mean that they don't do like somebody doesn't necessarily do something that, that astonishes you or like maybe like you're really impressed or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're just a human being who again has the same kinds of fears, the same kind of insecurities, the same kinds of problems, the same kinds of, you know, like whatever. So it's, it's what you decide to create in your world. Again, to me, this is all again, what you decide to create. You deciding to go and, and talk to somebody despite your fears and go and have the courage to do that. That's a creation of kinds. You've created that moment. You've, Mm -hmm. or at least you've helped to create a moment and now you've got to see what's going to happen because of it. Right. There's only like, we can only, uh, maybe perhaps we only, you know, we, we set a spark, you know, that's, that's all that we do. You know, we're, we're throwing sparks out there and, you know, maybe it ignites or maybe it ignites in a way that we didn't expect it. Maybe it gets uncontrollable. Maybe, I don't know. Right. But, mm-hmm. but you just, you don't, you don't know, but you've got to create the spark. Yeah. You know, I, I, I uh, and I know we haven't gotten <clears throat> entirely close to it. Well, in, in direct, uh, I should say, I guess, but courage and creativity seem very closely linked to me in this conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes courage to create because to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to create something new, to, to develop something, it, it creates an opportunity where something could be destroyed. And there's a vulnerability in that. And, and I think where vulnerability exists, so does, so does courage, you know? And I think to not create is, is because of fear is kind of, that's kind of cowardice, you know, it's, uh, um, so the opposite of creativity is cowardice, you know? And so I think that, um, courage, building courage is actually building your ability to create, I mean, to create options, to, um, do something that doesn't exist in the world right now. And, um, and courage is a sense is, is in a sense to overcome your fear. And so in a sense, creativity is to overcome your fear. And I, and I'm seeing all these parallels as we've been talking. Um, that's just been a big realization for me is that, you know, when I don't create, I must, um, I must be being a bit of a coward. You know, I must be not being courageous. And like the moments that I have created, I think, man, I look back at some of the things that I've done and I go, wow, what a risk that was in a sense, you know? And, and, um, sometimes where I went out and created stuff and I really honestly didn't know if it would work. 
Um, I think there was courage in that. And I think really like I'm, I'm failing to see a moment where I created something where there really wasn't courage involved. Yeah. You know? And I mean, and, and yeah, like I, it's very interesting actually some of these parallels of, you know, language and, and that we're, we're finding in this, but like, yeah, like fear, fear, because truly fear only knows how to destroy, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, there's this fear, destruction, cowardice, you know, like those are all, you know, all best of friends all together. So true. A bunch of, seems so true. And then like, you've got creativity and courage and, what else can we throw in there? There is <laughs> creativity, courage, vul- vulnerability. Uh, I don't know. Um, truth, you know, like truth, it's yeah. and, and honesty. Yeah. Truth because, uh, creativity and, and courage expose more who you really are. Yeah. You can only create your truth. I mean, you can try to create some false image, but your truth you know. Fe- and fear only creates illusions. Mm-hmm. You know, really when we look, when we look at it, you know, I guess, you know, I guess creation, I guess creation could be almost poisoned by, um, ego and it can be poisoned by fear. It, it so can, you I mean, still could create from, you can, but a, but a, but a negative place. You can, it's, uh, what, um, you know, a lot of, the uh, the ancient, like Bhagavans and stuff, you call it miscreation and mm-hmm. so like that. There's miscreation, which is something that you, that you create, but it's, it's out of, out of, an egotistical sense of something. And then it is a miscreation and like you have created, you have indeed created something. However, (laughs) yeah, you know, like what, what that creation does is usually ultimately destructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and I think earlier in our conversation, we were briefly discussing where creation comes from. Um, and I think that's an important point is to, really ask why, why do you want to create this thing? Because that's probably where you can, you can, you can help make sure that you don't miscreate, you know, because I think if you're trying to do it out of vanity or out of being special or getting your acknowledgement, you might not be thinking about the effects of what you create. But if you do it from a place of like, you know, how does this offer value? How can I help? you know, why would this be good in yeah. the world? You probably yeah. What, gonna... what do I want to put in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to put out into the world? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like what, like, and that will, that will help guide you. I think, you know, it's like, it's just that, what are you putting out there? What are you sharing to people? What, like, how are you contributing? You know, like we're so, we're so, hung up in this world about, about getting, you know, how do we get what we want from the world? How do we, and it's, and it's just such a, it's such a terrible way of going about things, but that we're all geared to, to think that way about how to get. And it's like, well, no, how do you put something into the world? How do you do that instead? Like from that mind focus, well, you know, I look at, I look at, in fact, I look at all my mentors. I look at all the people who I look up to and model. And <clears throat> actually a lot of the most successful people in the world who earn their success or their wealth or whatever, they give, they give value. They provide value. I mean, you know, I look at someone like, um, and I, I don't want to say anything negative about, um, anybody, but I, but I do look at Donald Trump and he, 
his initial wealth was handed down from his father, you know, was not something that he got by providing value. Right. So we can at least agree on that. Now what he's done and what he's built and what he's learned to do with what that money has offered him as a value. I think in many ways, like, you know, Donald Trump, I just think is a really hurt person because I used to actually listen to some of his audio CDs and I read some of his books and actually he's a super intelligent guy when it comes to wealth and a lot about being courageous and building things. So, uh, you know, in many ways, like I don't I definitely don't want him to be president based on the way that he's been going because I feel like his hurt or his willingness to kind of lie because he's not, he's, he's telling two different things to different people. Um, in different mediums. And I don't like that, but I will say that he is, is quite intelligent in a lot of things that he's done. I really like that about him. I just think that, you know, there's certain power that a position like that might provide, which might not be good. But I think like when you have actually built your own wealth, which I've watched, you know, I've watched my father do, I've watched people in my life do, um, they usually figure out a way to do it by providing value to other people because people are not going to give their money to you, which most money has to come from somewhere. I mean, most of it. So it has to come from someone giving that money because of some value they think they're getting. They're either giving it to you because they're getting value or because they're scared and they're giving it up to you because they're going to give up to you because out of fear. But in most scenarios, I would say that people are giving money because of value. I mean, if people work with you in your acting school, they're giving you money because they're getting a value that you're offering them. You're teaching them something about how to be connected to the moment. And it's probably goes beyond acting. Um, so that's a value that people would be willing to pay for. Just like when I teach people how to make movies, they're getting the value of making movies. So that's the exchange. If I was to scare people to say, listen, if you don't make a movie with me, I'll beat you up. That's probably another way, although I don't think that would work too well because I don't think I'm very intimidating. People would be like, what? What? <laughs> He's going to beat what? But let's just say like, you know, like I think government and, and kings and queens in the past and stuff have, have basically said, you know, give us the money or there'll be major consequences. Yeah. So people give it up out of fear. Um, but now, you know, even we pay taxes, for example, in theory, to exchange for the value. You maintain the city, you maintain our public services like police and medical and whatnot. And we will exchange a certain amount of our income to make sure that those things are maintained. And so that we can all kind of live, you know, with sidewalks that aren't cracked and, you know, with yeah. a certain amount of like water and energy and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so there's a value exchange, right? And so I think that I, I, I kind of lost my point, but my point was that with people who earn money, people who earn wealth of some sort, and wealth could be in any way, I guess, other than money, but is that you're, you're looking at how to exchange value. Yeah. 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 And, and that value can be, or I guess what we're saying is that the value is in what you want to put out into the world. You know, like when you like, because it's like, well, while I understand, you know, some of like how you're breaking this down, you're breaking it down in like almost a very technical way. Right. (laughs) But it's, but like, you know, when you started your movie maker school, it was because you're like, well, there's all these people sitting around talking about making movies and 
you know, it's like, I want to show people how to do that. Like how to actually go ahead and do it and not let these things all just be pipe dreams. You know, that's where it began. Right. You know, so it's not like, it's like, okay, well people want to make movies and so <laughs> I will provide them value by teaching them how to make movies. <laughs> you know, like it's just like, that wasn't, I know that wasn't how like it all began. Yeah, right? right. You know, like for me, it was just like, like with the, with my school, it's, it was out of a, out of a point of, you know, inspiration where I was just like, this is not being taught. And this is, I, and for me, I'm like, this is a profound thing to teach people because it was profound for me. And I want other people to have this experience to have this level of connectedness to their work. So that's why I began what I wanted to do. And it's like, does like, I didn't necessarily think of it as like, okay, this is how I'm giving people value. I mean, when you start to get into, like how you operate something as a business, which is something, you know, that is new to me, you know, like starting to learn how, how that the vision and now how you make it into a business, <laughs> like it's such a bizarre thing to, to, to work out and to try and figure out how to do that, how to communicate that message in a particular way so that, you know, people will, will get that, you know, and I get it. So, and like that value is like, that is, it's almost like the business side of it. And it's just like, it's like, okay, here's like yeah, the value know. of what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I already know because like I've experienced it. Yes. I already understand it. And so now, now I'm, I've got to try and express it to you. So you mm-hmm. understand it. Um, well, and you it's, know, it's pretty wild and like it is wild, to, yeah. to, to, to get on like earlier, earlier on, you know, we were talking about you know, as we're talking about fear and, and courage and, you know, and, and the unknown, you know, like this is like starting up a school is, is something completely unknown to me, you know, starting something up like that up. And I imagine there's been a lot of fear and there's absolutely you've clearly overcome because you continue to, yeah, you continue to move forward on it and make progress. And I, I won't say that everything has been completely smooth and there haven't been challenges. The thing is that like, you know, all of these things that like, I could say, it's like, oh, well, this didn't work out. Like, it's not like, okay, all right, that didn't work out. You know, this one little aspect of it, you know, at this time hasn't worked out. The thing is, is that I've been like, wow, but I'm getting so clear on so many other things now. Like I'm starting to figure this out and now it's not as uncomfortable anymore. I'm not as afraid of it as I was because now I've actually kind of swam around in this soup (laughs) that I was afraid of, you know, and being like, Oh, okay. I, I, I'm starting to get my bearings and understand what this is. And, and there's really actually not that much to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. This is not as crazy as I thought it, as my fears were telling me they would be, which is why again, like, don't be like, it's only unknown until it isn't. Mm -hmm you know, and the damage that can be done, like there's only so far you can fall. Yeah. Really, you know? So it's like, try, like try to, to keep that, that those fearful voices that are going off in your head in check and recognize that for the most part, they are a complete illusion. You know, it's like, maybe this one thing didn't work out. Doesn't matter you take your lessons. If you're paying attention, you take your lessons and you get stronger. Like you really do. Like it's all, I want to say this in a way that I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) this doesn't sound like some token advice that you've been given. Like all these, but I'm telling like, it's true. All of that stuff is true that they tell you it's, it's there's, there is nothing to fear. 
with, with these types of things with your creative projects or what you're passionate about and moving forward and putting that out in the world, you know, like with all of our fears surrounding doing that are, are not, are not worth your time and energy. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that you don't like, I think it is important to acknowledge them. I do. And this is something that I've been learning to do is that when I recognize, especially when it comes to the things we're passionate about, that's oftentimes where a lot of our anxiety can come up because it means so much to us. Right. Uh, so whenever I I experience any kind of anxiety, stress, worry, you know, doubt, all of these things associated, all of these emotions that, that are sort of fears entourage, uh, whenever they come up, when I'm doing something related to the business or I'm thinking about it or whatever, I, I go, okay. But I always can't take it from a place of like, but the thing that is telling me that is completely insane. That's good. Yeah. I, I recognize that it's happening in me that I do feel this way. And I'm like, okay, but the reason I feel that way is, is because is a perception. It's how I'm perceiving these potential outcomes, you know, and what I think it will mean about me, which it doesn't mean anything about you at all. No. Right. Even in the success or in, in the failure, no. it, none of it means really means anything about you. The only, like the only thing that you do is, is what you put into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so taking from a place where it's like, okay, all of these like sort of negative thoughts that I'm having about this are, are, for the most part, complete, complete illusions and completely insane. I like how you look at fear that way. I like how, uh, and I really, I think that's such a good thing is you you look at fear. I mean, at least in many conversations we've had where you go, yeah, fear is, is kind of an insanity. You know, it's like, because it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy made up like psychosomatic, like, like other world shit well, that I mean, doesn't exist. Well, I mean, look at, at this, you know, <laughs> to get back into this, look at this, like this Trump craziness, yeah. you know, like it, it is, it is insanity. And what's he doing? He's playing on fear. Mm-hmm. His whole campaign is fear. Yeah. You know, fear Muslims, fear Mexicans, you know, yeah. like, he's like, what? Yeah. like what's going on here? It's like, we're, and, and it gets, the thing is, is that it works because we're all so fearful. Yeah. We're already, fearful. we're already so, so fearful. So he that. just taps into it and you get worked up into a frenzy. And that's why it's not crazy when that people are comparing Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler. No, like it's not crazy when you think of like, they're sort of politicizing and how they like aggrandize themselves, you know, like, it's just like, it's like, Whoa, like they're pretty much working from the same playbook. Yeah. Like almost, almost exactly. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like fear, fear, like we could, we could fear that that will happen again, that, you know, another Adolf Hitler will rise. I mean, is it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I feel like I, the world has learned some of its lessons The I feel like the world, while we're still very fearful, it, I feel like there has been a rejection of fear. Mm-hmm. Like there has been like a greater sense of like, you know, we're, we're shooting this stuff down now. We're just like, we've been fed this so many times before 
And I think we've seen enough of the results of that, especially in a world where every, like we're so connected to each other, like all the time, 24 hours a day within seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, we can know, you know, about an event that's going on on the other side of the globe. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's so it's, it's kind of harder to to deceive and to perpetuate a lot of that fear. I'm, well, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe hard, not. Maybe it's not. It's hard to say. I mean, it is you know, hard to there's say. things that are happening in the world, which when we hear about them, you know, in North America, we gasp because we're like, wow, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that that still exists or even that exists period. I mean, um, so, you know, I, I it's, it is a scary thought. I think like fear, <clears throat> fear has its place. I mean, fear is not, I think in this conversation too, we were, we were, we didn't slam on fear a lot. Fear in the sense that very real things could happen that could be really bad. Yeah. It's, it it has its place. It's good to have fear. I mean, if I jump off a, you know, a 300 foot cliff in the water, I could die. Yes. Chances are actually getting pretty high when you, you know, I think almost terminal velocity. Well, when your physical, like, you know, when your physical, you know, health and, you know, being is endangered. Yes fear is a very good thing to listen to. Well, even jumping off, I've jumped off a 70 foot cliff and you know, like I can tell you looking up at a 70 foot cliff and thinking I'll jump off that. And then standing on top of a 70 foot cliff and looking down is a different experience. Oh yeah. Jumping off that cliff is also another experience in itself. But the fear before I jumped off is very valid in the sense that, you know, yeah, like if I don't land properly here, I could die. This is actually getting to the point where my body is at risk. That fear is, is, is good to have because if I go, well, I'm going to do a belly flop off of this 70 foot cliff. I mean, literally it could kill you. You know what I mean? So I mean, it hurt my feet for long enough after jumping in. So, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not slamming that type of fear. That type of fear is valid. That type of fear keeps us alive. I'm talking about the fear that we make up in our heads. You know, that's the insanity. That's the type of fear where it's like, well, what if people don't like me? I mean, first of all, you don't know what other people want or don't want or like, or don't like, or anything. You might do an incredible job and someone still doesn't like you. (laughs) They might hate your guts. (laughs) Exactly. And you might do a terrible job and people might love you. So who cares? Like, that is, that is irrelevant. But I think fear is very valid when it comes to our personal like existence. And that's where fear was yeah. born. I mean, basically, if you look back at cavemen days, I mean, we, we had fear because we weren't the top of the food chain. And if we didn't have fear, we wouldn't have looked out for the animals and those of our ancestors who didn't got killed and they didn't pass on their genes and the ones who did, you know, so the ones who were fearful, the ones who, you know, learn to listen to that emotion stayed alive. But you know, we've moved and I think I've referred to this earlier, but we've moved beyond a point of survival into a point of thrival. You know, we're in a, we're in a place where we don't just need to worry about our survival anymore. I mean, I know when I get up this morning and like by the end of today, I will still be alive. I know that. And in fact, I like, I don't know anything for sure, but I'm pretty certain I'm going to be alive. I'm not going to get eaten by a saber tooth tiger, you know? Yeah. But you got to remember our ancestors woke up in the morning. They didn't know if they would be alive by the end of the day or if their children would be alive by the end of the day. Because people, first of all, didn't live as long. And also other than there were dangers out there that were very real and people could die. So, you know, I think we have a, we have an over grand 
you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's over grandized this fear. It's not that big. It's not that big. Right. And the thing is, is that we live in a world that's actually very safe and secure, at least if you're in first world, I'm not saying the rest of the world is necessarily like this. I mean, yeah. there's war torn countries. I'm not yeah, talking absolutely. about that. They're not in a place of thrival. They're in a place of survival. But if you live in a place of thrival, some of our fears are latent. They're made up. They're kind of like, we don't know what to do with the feelings. So we make up shit on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I, I think that that's extraordinarily true statement. Um, there was something about, uh, about what you said that I wanted to, to touch on, but the, uh, the beer is, uh, prov- is proving to be a worthy adversary at okay. this point well, in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good beer. It was filled with courage. Yes, indeed. Um, um, I have something to say about your school and, uh, and, uh, just about the way you started it. Cause you, you know, you, you, you pointed out that it doesn't get started in a very practical way. You usually start because you're passionate about it. And then you go, Hey, I want to do this thing. And I think it will provide value kind of whatever I go ham and help people learn how to act from a place of like, I think what you're doing is really cool. Like you're, you're really teaching people how to act from a place of integrity. What I like about your teaching model is that you're going, okay, well, Meisner is this thing, which maybe people are teaching it, but they're not actually understanding what it is. And you're trying to or at least you're, you're doing it in a way where you're holding it to a really high standard, which I think is really amazing. And I can relate to that in the sense that when I, when I did the movie maker school, I realized that film school was teaching people a lot of theory and yeah, kids will often make a film at the end of their program, but they <laughs> I wish people could have seen your face <laughs> as you said that. <laughs> well, and you know, um, <laughs> Some will do okay just because they have probably good mentorship and good teaching from other places, but probably not from the school because if they did have it from the school, many other people would have those same success strategies, but they don't. Um, so for people who don't have the luxury of having like, say really highly educated or connected parents or, you know, mentors previously, I thought, you know, well, I, I want to teach people what it actually takes to get paid to make a career out of this so that your parents aren't looking at you going, are you really still doing that movie thing? You know, like I wanted people to be able to make movies, but also have success at it as a career. And so I think what happens is, you know, um, you have a, you, you know, you're at your school with the acting, which is really cool about is you take acting, but then you go, well, let's just, let's just make the standards higher. Let's raise the bar a little. And I think that's why, you know, it's cool about your school. It's like what you're doing is you saw a pocket in the market that wasn't being filled. Like, it's not like you just said, I want to teach acting school because everyone else is teaching acting school. You said, I wanted to teach acting school because I see something that people don't get and you're helping them with that. And I think that's amazing. And so I think that that's where things are created from. You know, if you're yeah. trying to create something because everyone else is creating it, I don't think it's a good place. But, but when you're creating something because you go, I can see something here that no one's ever really done. Let's try that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and it actually just happened to, in some ways it happened to kind of work that way. It wasn't like, okay, I want to teach an acting class. Now, how can I fit into something that nobody is serving right now? Yeah, you It, it yeah. came from a place of, it's just like, well, there was something that wasn't, that I wasn't getting up to that point in time. And then I found it. And then I was just like, Oh my God, this is incredible. I want to, I want to give this to other people. And, and 
and, and then I've through other sort of studies and understandings I'm getting of and, and realizing how they apply to it. I'm like, Oh my God, like I have this thing here. I've got this thing in my hands here that like, that I, to my knowledge, no one's really doing this, but I'm like, I can't even believe it. This is right here. Like it's, it almost felt like it just happened upon me in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, was, well, it didn't just happen upon you. Acting is important to you and you oh, yeah, look yeah. for it. But yeah, it feels that way. Of course it feels that way. Of course. But the thing is, is that that the, the important thing that I want to express is that acting was so important to you. I know you went away for a month to study in a school that was in another state simply because it was so important to you that you were willing to do that. And the thing is, is that's the thing that people need to take away from this is that the great ideas, the great creations that we do are partly because we're willing to have the courage to go there in the world and pursue something that we're willing to find out about. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but you might not get immediate rewards from that, but you believe in it. I mean, you wouldn't be able to teach the school had you not been willing to take the risk and be interested. Just like I would not be able to teach movie making if I was not, um, if I didn't go out and make movies, I wouldn't be able to teach the way I teach. I teach from day one, you're literally already making a movie. You're, it's not, we're not talking about theory. We're like starting today, you're going to start coming up with a concept. You know, we're going to start, or if you're financing starting today, we're going to start figuring out who you're going to talk to. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're doing it. And the thing is, is I only learned that because I actually went out and did that when I was doing it. I wasn't thinking one day I'll start a school and teach everybody what I did. Yeah. You know, this doesn't work that way. So I think the important point is that your creativity was born out of your willingness, your courage to live your life and be interested. Right. I think that's a really important factor because I think like people need to copycat create when they don't go out and live when they're not courageous. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that's not to say that, the, that there's not inspiration, you know, from, sure. from some place, you know, it's like, you know, when you say something like inspired by, you know, eventually like there's nothing wrong with being inspired. Like my, like, school and my teaching that that was inspired by, by Larry Silverberg. Absolutely. Um, and there are a lot of similarities to, to what I do, but then there's also my own understanding of things. It's not to say I'm not just like completely rewriting the script on it or anything, but it's like, I have my own experience of life that has, that is also, I, I, I can't not have that injected into it because it's part of who I am. Right. Uh, and, and that always makes its way into it. Um, I think, you know what I think is, I think that, I mean, there, if Martin Scorsese said, I'm going to teach movie making school, I respect him so much. And based on the results and things that he's done, I would probably say, yeah, you know, I would do that school. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I wouldn't try to compare my school and say, my school is better than Martin Scorsese. I wouldn't do that. Um, provided, uh, that, that I, I would look at that and I would see like, how is he, how is he teaching it? Uh, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is, is I think, or even if, even if I look at my mentors who have helped me to this point to teach the school that I teach, I can always give tribute and say, yeah, they, they do that. I think what I have to do to be a better teacher at this point, same for you to be a better teacher is to really just go there and keep pushing yourself and living courageously because, um, that's gives you the real life experience. I mean, 
if I was to say, let me take this out of this whole medium, film and acting. Yeah. And I referred to the dating situation. So I always want to do that again, but the dating coach, for example, you know, I listen to some of these dating coaches and listen, I am courageous. I like, you know what, if anybody's courageous that I know, I'm one of the most courageous people. Cause I go up and I ask people out. I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't matter. Like I'm willing to go and do that. And I've dated some very beautiful women, some very intelligent women, some very successful women. Um, I've had amazing experiences. I faced my fears around that. And still every now and then fear comes up. But if someone was to ask me about, you know, how do I date the person I want to date? I'm not a relationship coach and I don't claim to be, but I could give them some real world advice. Sometimes when I listen to some of these dating coaches, I'm like, you've never asked anybody out. Like you don't, I can tell by the way they talk and the way they frame their ideas. And the thing is, is that courage, it kind of goes, it's transcendent of what you teach. Because I think like when people work with me in movies, they know, like I've, I've faced some shit. I've faced some adversity. So when I teach people about movies, like they're like, I can tell that you've really done it. And I really have done it. And so when I look at my mentors, my really, my, my mentors have, when I, when I listen to them and they tell me to do something, I go, they've done it. I can tell in their voice and the way they express it. It's, there's a consistency also in the way they behave over and over and over again, you know, and it's, of course, you never know what anyone's life's like. I didn't watch them do it. But when I watch some people communicate, I'm like, there's some type of bullshit here. There's some type of like, you know, you don't have an authority in that area because you never face that fear. And I think that fear is, is in, in influencing and poisoning their message because if they've never faced the, the fear, if they've never been courageous in that area, they can't speak about it the same way. They just don't have the capacity. But when someone's done it, they have more capacity to do it. And I've listened to some relationship coaches who I don't sit around and listen to relationship coaches all the times, but I have listened to a few and I've had the luxury of meeting a few. The ones who are really good, I mean, the ones who are really courageous, when you hear them talk, you're like, wow, this person knows some stuff. This yeah. person, it's not that they know it. It's not even that they know stuff. They, they just, they, when you ask them a question about you know, what do you do when say you're talking to someone and they kind of turn their shoulder to you and you, and you kind of are trying to get their attention or what do you do when someone else is kind of, um, there and they're maybe kind of slighting you while you're talking to them, what do you do? And they've been there and they've experienced that and they know how to answer it and they, and they answer it in a way. And I'll tell you one of the things I noticed, they don't say, Oh, you do this and blah, blah, blah. They, They kind of go, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. They usually kind of try to empathize with the situation. Yeah. That's difficult. I get it. What you want to do. And you know, I'm, I'm repeating this, you know, but it'd be like, you want to be considerate of what that other person who is slighting you is going through. Cause like, you know, how are you, you know, you want to think like, okay, well you can cut them down, you know, you can join in in their game, you know, or you can try to like, I mean, maybe I'm not phrasing it. I don't know how to phrase it as well, you know, but yeah, but they have a way of explaining it where you can tell that they lived it. You know, they lived an yeah. experience like that. And usually when you ask, uh, when I ask them, one of my mentors, a question, for example, they usually say, you know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know, but let me figure it out for you. Let me think about it. Let me, you know, try and work it out. But it's this humility about it. It's not yeah. like, I don't have every answer in the book there. You know, if they haven't lived it, they'll, ponder it. They'll figure it out, you know, or they'll go to their mentors. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that it's okay not to have every answer. Right. Like 
we barely have any real answers to anything. So it's like, there's nothing to even feel self-conscious about really. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I mean, again, coming back to my mentor, Larry, I mean, one of the first lessons that he, he shared with us was that, uh, he, he would say acting isn't showing it's knowing. And I feel like this is like, and I'm like, Oh, this is an interesting tie into this conversation because it's like, you know, it's like, you know, when you come in and you try and show, you try and give off the impression that you're something, even though, you know, you don't feel that way and blah, blah, blah. Like it, you know, you can, you know, like the thing is like whoever you're, you're giving that to, they're picking up on that. Like there, there's something that's like not quite right about it. But when you come from a place of knowing and the only way of coming from a place of knowing is through, here's the tie in (laughs) (laughs) is through the courage to experience something, right? To experience something openly and honestly, because no matter how your experience goes, you can say, okay, you know what? I've been there, right? I've actually been there and I've done that. I've done it more than once. Right. (laughs) And I can tell you, because now I know, right? Good or bad, this is what went down. <laughs> and you know, can I, can I share something? Because I feel like you don't have to experience everything to be an actor of truth. But um, like Matthew Harrison, I remember he did this exercise with us, another teacher, hopefully we'll have him on, on the call at one point. Um, but he said, you know, for example, what do you know about this particular thing? It's not that I have the same experience or that like, I don't know what it's like to be in war. I, I just don't, I've never been in war, but I, but he goes, well, what do you know about war? And so then I write out a bit for myself or I talk myself through it and I figure out what do I know about it? That's the experience I can call upon. Yeah. But if I try to say and pretend that I've been at war and I've seen my best friend die next to me, I haven't, that's never happened. But And hopefully you'll never have to. And you'll never have to. But what do I know about losing a best friend? Well, if you want to listen to podcast number 19 or whatever it was, I think it was, (laughs) you can hear about what I know about what it's like to lose a best friend. Did I lose him at war? No, but I lost him in life. So I know that experience. So I think like experience is sometimes not as direct, you know, but as an actor, you're calling from many experiences. And unless you are experiencing life and living life, you know what? Where was my courage with losing the friend? The, the, the courage was to care about him. That was my courage. Him losing him and all that other stuff was, you know, nothing I ever planned for, nothing I ever expected, nothing I ever want anyone else to go through. So all I could, the only advice I could give on someone about that is be courageous enough to care about someone you could lose, you know? And if you are, Yes, it might hurt. Yes, it might be difficult, but you'll learn some humanity. You'll learn something. You'll have something in yourself. Um, I think you're right. I think it all does come back down to courage. And I, and I just think knowing, like it's not showing, it's knowing. Knowing is just being connected to you, not not knowing everything. Because I don't know everything, but I know like what it is to care about a best friend. Yeah. I, know, I know what it is to... Um, to be scared, but go ask out the person I want. I know what it is to put together a hundred plus person team to make a movie. I, I, I know that, but like, you know, if I was say like, what would it be like to be a leader of an army? I might call on a movie I did where I led a bunch of people in different departments, you know, uh, that would be my best experience, yeah. but I've never led an army. Right. So if I play a general one day, 
you know, that's probably an experience I could call on. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that, that was just my point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I like that saying, I mean, because, because I mean, I personally come from the place of like, we don't know anything, but it, when I say that, what I'm saying is that we don't know anything for sure. No, but, but we know things from our are, experience, our truth. Yeah. We, we know that we know that we don't know if it's the true perception of it, but it's our perception. So we know that. Yeah. So when I say like, we don't know anything, what, I, what I'm really saying is that we don't know any facts for sure. You know, we don't know, like, uh, I don't know if when you look at purple, you see purple and I see purple. What, what you might see is like some variation of purple or yeah. some green. And I, and, and I see some variation of yeah. blue, but we both call it purple because in our, the way we filter light through our eyes looks exactly the same. So I don't know that. Yeah. Right. But I do know that my perception consistently worked out a certain way. And so then I can relate to it that way. That's, yeah. I don't know if that clarifies. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Right. I get what you're saying. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere we find a way to make it all work. Well, it's amazing. Like you said earlier in an earlier podcast, it's amazing that we can even communicate and understand what you, each yeah. other means. I mean, <laughs> because we it think is. like, we think that, uh, you know, we think we know what's going on for someone else. Meanwhile, you've had your whole life experience and every moment even the moments you've had with me, but every moment you've had without me, you, you experienced something I never experienced. And then I experienced stuff you've never experienced. And then when you talk about your mom, about some moment you had when you were 20, I imagine what you're talking about, trying to fill that in as though I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And somehow I can agree and go, okay, I get it. <laughs> no, yet. I mean, what am I calling on? I'm calling on my own experience, which is yeah. kind of wild. Yeah. Well, all right. Wrapping it up. This has been the, uh, conversation of courage. Yeah. Not inspired so, by the beer. Not so serious Sunday. Not so serious Sunday has 33 uh, acres courage beer. Yes, indeed. Which is, uh, I don't know if they're going to have it all the time. So if you can get your hands on it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> At least the good talks. <laughs> um, so yeah, takeaways. Final, final message from this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, man, again, we've just covered so much territory and it's, it's always so hard to, you know, I don't even know how long we've gone on this one, <laughs> but it's always so hard to spin another hard, two hours. All right. Time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's always so hard to, to trace back through everything. You know, somebody's got to listen, listen to these again and just be like, Oh yeah, I remember what we talked, yeah. but, um, well, we talked about, I mean, like basically we talked about fear. We talked about courage Yeah, and we talked about, um, creativity and how it relates to yeah. all that. I and mean, integrity. We did get into integrity oh, yeah. of, you know, what you're, what you're doing, what you're choosing to do with, with your art form or with your life and being a creative person and, and, yeah. I mean, courage really is the sort of been the, the main central thing around this, hasn't it? It has. And so to, to just further flesh all that out, I guess. Um, okay. Well, let me, let me say I'll, I, I, the point that I'll leave with is that if you want to be a creative force and you want to leave things in the world or create things or put things in the world that are of value, you're going to have to be courageous. I really think that that is a cornerstone of, you know, of not just creativity, but of most success in the world is basically create courage. And 
I think when you refuse to be courageous, you're giving into fear. And I would say that 95% of the time, that's the, 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 the worst thing to do is to give into fear. 5% of the time, the best thing to do is give into fear. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say the 5% of time is because sometimes when your life is really on the line, when, yeah. it's, when it's a scenario where you could die or could get hurt or could hurt other people and you're scared about that, listen to your fear. That's, that's responsible. That's, that's mindful. But if you are not, if you like go, well, it's not really a life or death situation. I'm just scared what people will think of me. That's a time where you want to really consider choosing courage. Yeah. And I think that courage is going to give you that, what you were talking about, uh, Larry, what, what's Larry Silverberg, Larry yeah. Silverberg, you, you know, about his, it's not showing it's knowing, knowing comes from courage, you know? And I, I really do think that's true. I think that, um, everything that, everything that we do is, is basically, we, we, we actually know stuff. We know more things through courage than we ever will through fear. Yeah. That's what I'm leaving people with. Yeah. We know far more through courage than we ever know through fear. Yeah. That's my point. Excellent. Yeah. I mean the courage to, to step into the unknown, uh, and, and the courage to, to listen to when you're, you know, your creative voice is, is talking to you and is, is inspiring you and is putting something like the courage to move forward with that and to act upon that and to not shut it down because of all of those fearful voices that come up, which are, are insane. (laughs) Yeah. You know, again, like you're saying, unless like literally, unless your life is in, is like in danger, like actually in danger. It's a pre- I feel like that should be a fairly distinct enough, like <laughs> yeah. separation that you can make in, with whatever you're facing. But you know, if it's comes down, it's just like, Oh, should I, should I write this script or should I, you know, take this part or should I blah, 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 man. Like, like listen to that fear, see what it's actually telling you. And for the most part, it's probably telling you a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's probably telling you a bunch of stuff that's, you know, to protect some sort of image about yourself that you've got. And that image again is, is nonsense. You know, it's like move forward with the, with the courage of that, of that spark of what the spark is. And that's, that's the voice to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was just thinking like, uh, how the, the false self, how it's kind of like a lie. Like it's, 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 it's not real and how trapped you are by it. And that saying keeps ringing through in my head, you know, the truth shall set you set free. You free. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, true. That's kind of what we're kind of getting at is like, you know, again, if it wasn't such a token line, yeah, I know, <laughs> but uh, it is true. It's funny. Yeah. Like as you start to like find it in other ways, like you come back to a saying like that and you're like, Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Fear hates the truth. Fear only exists with the truth being absent. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, fear loves the illusion. I mean, even if you know the truth, you're probably not going to be fearful about it. You're just going to be like, Oh, well, if I did that, I could die. I don't need to be fearful about it. I just know that I'll probably die. Like, like but when you don't yeah. know if you will, that's where this feeling kind of comes from. You know, it's like this feeling of needing to protect this needing to anyway, I, let's call it. Yeah. And, and people, can, <laughs> people can 
to be con- to be continued at some other time. I'm sure. I think we sure. opened a Pandora's box. I'm oh sorry. God! All right. <laughs> Have a good one. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.